The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 223 for Thursday, April 10th, 2014. I'm your host, Rich, and our call-in number, if it works this week, is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number, 347-324-3541. You can also hit up our feedback line, 347-815-0687. That's 347-815-0MTR. Man, oh man, do we have a show on deck for you guys this week. It is without a doubt going to be a crazy, crazy show. We have all kinds of stuff on tap, including, of course, we're going to be talking about the week's MMA news. We will be talking a lot about WrestleMania this week. We will also get into WWE Raw and, of course, the huge news story this week, the passing of WWE Hall of Famer and legend, the Ultimate Warrior, who passed away at the age of 54. We're going to get into that. Um, a lot of you guys shared a lot of great warrior moments on our Facebook fan page. I definitely want to get those out, allow you guys to share your piece. And if our call-in line is working as it should, we will be taking your calls as usual. But before we get into that, there's a couple of things I did want to discuss. Uh, first and foremost, obviously last week we had a ton of problems with our call-in line. I've been in communique with Blog Talk Radio since last week. I was actually supposed to do a test show with them. I don't know what's going on. My rep over there, John Sweet, I don't know why we couldn't square it away. But if all goes according to plan, things should be running on all cylinders this evening. So, again, it's going to be one of those things where things are going to be working well. Slick tells me he can hear me on the call-in line, which is music to my ears. Thank you for that, Slick. So we should be in for a great, great show this evening. Just a couple of things behind the scenes I want to let you guys know about. Um, MTR 5.0 should be ready hopefully by the weekend by the first week in May if all goes according to schedule and we'll be able to get that out the other thing uh, that I did want to discuss with the new site and I mentioned this briefly was the possible returns of our forum with that said um, our forum is not going to be something that we're going to really police hardcore it's going to be something very bare bones considering that it comes bundled in with our new site, and we're going to try and test that out. It's going to allow for a different level of conversation, and given what's been happening with Facebook as of late, 
I think it would be a great opportunity to start moving conversation away from Facebook. Like I said, the last two episodes, we've been having issues with audio, um, not audio, with um, our updates, our pictures, anything that we share with you guys, just not reaching all of you. A lot of you guys are, you know, feeling left out, so to speak. And, you know, it's something it's something that concerns me greatly. I think um, got to zoom out a bit. Um, I think that what's been going on with Facebook is a travesty. I know a lot of guys running their respective brands and their respective pages have uh, been very vocal with me about it. And it's something that we're going to try and do uh, with the new version of the site. And it'll allow you guys, it'll allow you guys to be able to interact without the confines of Facebook, which, like I said, has really, really damaged a lot of guys with their uh, constant changes to their algorithm. Like I said, I'm not going to pay Facebook to reach you guys. I think it's bullshit, and a lot of other people share my sentiment. I understand that there's the necessity for advertising and things of that nature, and we used to actually advertise with Facebook. But again, if it's not reaching you guys and it's not working the way it should be, why should we give them money? So I figured I would let you guys know about that. Also, uh, you guys may remember last year we covered Consumer Electronics Week here in New York City. Uh, we will be covering that again this year. It is the last week of June. We'll be covering all the great technology that will be coming out in the coming months that will be on display during the CE week here in New York City. Uh, of course, some of the stuff that we've reviewed from there include products from Bello Digital, uh, the Chorus speakers that we recently reviewed, plus a couple of other things, the Damson Twist, which we also reviewed, the Echo speakers, which we gave away on air um, a couple of months back. So... We're going to be getting a lot more stuff to review. We're also going to be doing a lot more giveaways. Uh, we're going to be working on a giveaway with our friends from Bello Digital that will be for a brand new pair of Bello Digital headphones. Now, if you guys have seen uh, my review of the previous Bello Digital headphones, you'll know that this company burst onto the scene out of nowhere with some really, really kick-ass headphones. They are incredibly, incredibly well done in terms of quality and audio quality. They are definitely... Um, somebody who's kind of working under the radar, so to speak. The company definitely has been doing some really great stuff, and hopefully we'll be able to finalize those details within the next two weeks to give you guys a chance to win a pair of Bello Digital headphones. Also, I, I got to take a moment and acknowledge our colleagues at MMA Valor. Um, if you guys know, we've had a long-standing relationship with Josh Wood from MMA Valor. He's joined us on numerous episodes of My Take Radio um, he's also been involved with Brawling for Boobies when we've done it, and he's done a lot of really cool stuff with us. Well, earlier this week, he announced that he was actually stepping away from MMA Valor. The MMA Valor brand will continue to live on, but it's just something where it's an evolution of the medium and just an evolution of MMA in general, where there's way too many sites out there just oversaturating, um, you know, just a lot of the news and things of that nature. And I feel I feel really, really terrible to hear him kind of step away from it because he was one of the genuine good guys out there that delivered quality MMA content and to hear him stepping away from it really really bummed me out but you know this is what happens a lot of times you're fighting an uphill battle and if you follow MMA as closely as I do you know that there's just a an overabundance of different MMA sites delivering content some some sites are obviously better than others but some sites are just trying to kind of dip their toes in the proverbial pool and expand their reach so they're utilizing MMA as a medium to do that. Um, it's one of those things that, like I said, Josh Wood was a genuinely awesome dude, a cool human being, 
and I am bummed to see him no longer doing something that he was extremely passionate about. So I did want to share that with you guys. Another thing I did want to talk about was, um, you know, uh, something that happened with the passing of the Ultimate Warrior. And while I am going to discuss that in detail during our wrestling segment, I did want to bring this up because I saw a lot of people doing it. And me personally, I, I couldn't bring myself to do it. And that is, as soon as it was announced that he passed away, a lot of sites that shall remain nameless for now um, took it upon themselves to throw out an article about his passing, which was pretty much regurgitated copy and paste stuff from WWE.com, TMZ, and Twitter. And while I understand that you want to get the news out to your audience, I do feel that there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. And considering that that's news of such a huge magnitude, it was everywhere, everywhere, mainstream press, TMZ, um, numerous websites, hell, our New York Daily News here, uh, the New York Post. I just felt that in a way it, it, it kind of felt a little bit in poor taste. That's one of the reasons why you didn't see uh, My Take Radio put out, oh, look, the Ultimate Warrior is dead. Because it, if, you, if you didn't get the news from Twitter, Facebook, or whatever media outlets you choose to use, then you're either living in a cave or you just don't follow wrestling. Again, these are all things that are understandable. I just... I just couldn't in good conscience, you know, toss out an article for hits and link bait. That's just not the way we do things. I remember when Paul Walker passed away, somebody reached out to us and they were like, oh, you know, you guys, you guys should cover the passing of Paul Walker. And my response was, do I look like CNN? Because if I do, that's great. But last time I checked, I'm not CNN. I really, you know, everybody knows that the guy passed away by now. So I'm not going to be one guy that's going to jump in there. For link bait, you know, I run I run MTR a little differently than other people run their sites, and I just felt that there was no necessity for me to toss a stupid blurb with some copy and pasted text and a photo from WWE.com. It was stupid. Uh, the best way to to do to honor you know this individual's memory is to just continue to talk about all his accomplishments, and we're definitely going to get into that tonight. As you can see, I have my. Uh, Ultimate Warrior t-shirt courtesy of WWEshop.com and we'll, we'll be talking about that as well later on in the segment. All right, so tonight's topics. Obviously, we're going to talk about the MMA news for the week, including the Bellator card that went down this past Friday. We also have another Bellator event tomorrow. Um, last but not least, of course, we are going to kind of get into a little bit some of the some of the rumor mill that's going around on the MMA circles, which I want to talk about, including uh, a rumored fight with Nick Diaz and Hector Lombard that kind of took a back seat. Also, Gina Carano's meeting with Dana White, which allegedly happened this week. I want to discuss that, plus all the other MMA news. Of course, on the wrestling side of things, WrestleMania 30, uh, WWE Raw, uh, the passing of the Ultimate Warrior, the week's wrestling news. On the gaming side of things, we're going to start doing something different probably starting next week. Uh, given that the, the gaming news kind of... You know, they kind of take a back seat during during the early part of the year. I'm going to start expanding into some gaming and tech stuff, but it's not going to be, you know, the bullshit tech stuff that everybody talks about. You know, we're going to talk about different pieces of hardware, different pieces of software, and things that affect us as an audience. So the, the gaming segment is going to kind of evolve into gaming and tech a little bit just because gaming, it's very easy to talk about this game coming out this week, this game coming out next week and the MPD numbers, and then we got weeks where it's just completely dead. So we are going to evolve a little bit 
into that going forward. So I figured I'd let you guys know about that. Of course, entertainment news. We got a lot to discuss. We got reboots. We got sequels. We got what the fuck movie news, plus all the entertainment news for the week. But without further ado, let's get the ball rolling and talk some MMA, shall we? My Take Radio's MMA segment is brought to you by MMA Warehouse. Get all your favorite MMA gear, including rash guards, shorts, your favorite fighter tees from any promotion. Hit them up at MMAWarehouse.com. You can see their banner on MyTakeRadio.com. All right, so this past week we had the Bellator card, which was surprisingly good. It was the heavyweight, uh, the heavyweight world title match between uh, Vitaly Minikoff and Czech Congo, which was surprisingly solid i really felt that czech congo really he this is the thing czech congo got a lot of he got a bum rap for being a dirty fighter and all this stuff but i always felt czech congo was a very underrated heavyweight and it was actually one of the fights that i did manage to catch i missed most of the card but i wanted to talk about this fight because like i said czech congo during his tenure in the ufc was he he really did get a bum rap for being considered a dirty fighter. Uh, what I feel is that Czech Congo, you know, he fought very aggressively. His striking was on point, but sometimes the the angles that he utilized would get him into into danger by either, you know, catching somebody with a low blow, etc. I really felt that his fight with um, with Minikoff was, was interesting because it was Minikoff that actually get, got a point deducted from him in the first round. But... Uh, overall, it was a very, very good fight. Um, Czech Congo loses the fight via unanimous decision, but it was very strange because that fight could have gone either way. Minikoff definitely turned it up in the later rounds, especially in round four. And, um, you know, Minikoff was using his takedowns. He really started working those takedowns in round four. And um, in round five, it was a bit more aggressive with the striking and you know he took the victory via unanimous decision it was a solid solid card from bellator as usual they continue to impress um but here's the thing that gets me when you look at the bellator organization they got a card tomorrow night and um you know the bellator organization they have viacom money and every week there are instances where it feels like i'm watching the same fights over and over and over again. That's not really the case because of the tournament format, but what you're looking at is that they're not doing what the UFC isn't doing either, and that is creating new stars. What they're doing is they're resting, they're laying their chips on guys who have been long-time established fighters or guys whose name has a ton of value, but they're really trying to make them more valued than they appear. Examples of this, of course, being King Mo, Rampage. These are guys that they have mainstream appeal, they have a a brashness, a cockiness that helps them, that gets them followed by the fans. But there's so many other guys in Bellator that are solid that they're just not going out of their way to push into the limelight and get noticed. And that's something that kind of frustrates me. Either way, it's still, um, it's still a you know a solid organization. But I just feel they're not creating new stars. Same thing with the UFC. I talked about this at length a little bit last week about them not creating new stars. I talked about this with Bloodstain Lane off air. Uh, when we had a conversation about a week or two ago about the fact that there's just a, a lack of stars being created. Even though the guys are there, they're just not 
They're just not being utilized effectively. One guy who was released recently and is a guy who had a ton of fanfare. I was personally never a huge fan of, but nobody nobody should be cut. Uh, at least not not the not the way it went. And that is Jake Shields. Jake Shields um, had an eight fight stint in the UFC. He began in, in the UFC in 2010, but he was released early Monday morning, according to Ariel Helwani. Um, you know, he challenged for the 170-pound title. He lost against uh, GSP. Then, um, you know, he, he he's done. His career's had a lot of highs and lows. The passing of his father definitely, I feel, impacted him substantially. But I was really bummed to hear he got released. I felt that, that he was not finding his groove in the UFC, and I think he needed one more fight. I think when he started getting into the deep water and fighting uh, some of the top-tier guys in the organization, some people felt that his his uh credentials were overblown i don't think that's the case i just feel that jake shields he still I, I i don't feel psychologically he had gotten over the passing of his dad i don't know the guy personally but i just feel that a loss of that magnitude would definitely affect uh fighters like jake shields you know guys that are uh, very disciplined i i feel that it definitely took its toll on him and to hear him get released it's unfortunate but i'm sure bellator will pick him up world series of fighting will pick him up um, there's there's a lot of organizations that can pick him up, and he could probably do some damage. Who knows? Maybe he'll get a fight with Ben Askren. I'd like to see Jake Shields and Ben Askren fight. I think that would be an awesome fight to see. But it's it's one of those things where you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. And in a division like the welterweight division where it's so stacked with guys, it's going to become the norm where fighters going to be cut like this at the drop of a hat. It's going to happen uh, more frequently, I guarantee it. Uh, Patrick Cummins is in the news this week. You guys may know that he came in kind of as a journeyman to step in to fight uh, Daniel Cormier. And, of course, he was on the losing end of that. But he will be getting another opportunity with the organization as he will be facing uh, Francimar Barroso at UFC Fight Night 43. That event goes down June 7th in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Also, um, speaking of Albuquerque, the Legacy Fighting Championships held their 30th event uh, this past weekend, the reason I'm talking about that is because Holly Holm was on that card. She fought Juliana Werner, and she secured victory via TKO in round five to win the inaugural women's bantamweight title. So there you have it. Holly Holm gets gold in another organization. Um, what they're saying is that she probably suffered a fractured arm in that fight, according to Southwest Fight News um, and 411 Mania. Holly Holm did suffer a fracture in her arm. And um, again, this is going to raise a couple of questions with regards to her defending a belt, but also remaining on the UFC's radar. An incredibly talented fighter whose management is, in, to, to some people at least, is not doing an effective job of getting her in the UFC. Again, we'll see what happens, but I have a feeling we'll see Holly Holm in the UFC sooner rather than later. In regards to fight cards going down, of course, we have Bellator tomorrow, plus we have UFC Fight Night 39 in Abu Dhabi, which is going to be airing at a very, very, very strange time. Uh, the main card will be starting at 11.50 in the morning on UFC Fight Pass. The main card will be going down at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. A lot of great fights on that card. Clay Guida uh, taking on Tatsuya Kawajiri, which I'm super pumped to see, and Roy Nelson and Antonio Noguera is the main event on that card again prelims 11 50 in the morning take that into consideration main card two o'clock uh it's going to be a solid solid day of fights but it's uh, it's happening during such a weird time that 
I don't know how much of a turnout they're going to get, especially at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, because a lot of us are going to be working. I myself am going to be working, and I won't even be able to see that card till later on in the evening. Uh, GSP's uh, ACL surgery was a success. Uh, Dana White did confirm that the UFC is paying for his surgery due to the health insurance that the organization has for their fighters. I'm actually happy to report, I was concerned that I'd be reporting that this fight was canceled, but it's being moved and shuffled around, and that's Chael Sonnen and Vanderlei Silva, which was originally supposed to be taking place later on this year, has now been moved back to July. Originally, the fight was going to take place at UFC 175, but it looks like Junior Dos Santos and Stipe Miocic will be replacing Sonnen and Silva for UFC Fight Night 42, and the UFC fight... Um, between Chael and Vanderlei is happening at UFC 175. So we went from UFC Fight Night 42 to UFC 175 uh, during the weekend of July 4th. So that's going to be an awesome fight. Every time I talk about this fight, there's incredible, there's incredible concern for me because I always feel that this fight's going to get canceled, somebody's going to pull out of the fight, or somebody's going to get injured. So far, knock on wood, uh, we've been we've been faring quite well with regards to this fight. But right now, mark it down on your calendars if you're looking forward to it. July 5th, UFC 175 in Vegas. Another fight that's starting to come together and take shape is for UFC 174. Rory McDonald, of course, a big prospect that everybody's waiting to get an opportunity for a title fight, will be facing Tyron T. Wood, uh, well, Tyron T. Wood Woodley, for UFC 174, and uh, that's Saturday, June 14th. Of course, the main event, Demetrius Johnson, will be defending his flyweight title against Ali Baga- Baganoff. There you go. I always mess up that guy's name. Um, actually, looking forward to this fight. I think that the winner of this fight will probably get a title opportunity. I don't like Rory McDonald. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm really, really, really not a fan of Rory McDonald. I think he's a serial killer, and he's really uh, Kenny Florian's illegitimate brother. But um, T. Wood is, is an awesome fighter. I think he would do some serious damage if he got a title fight opportunity. And I'm hoping with this fight that will be the case. All right, so the last bit of MMA news, of course, our Bellator 116 card is tomorrow. Uh, Mighty Mo, Alexander Volkov for fighting on that card. That's the heavyweight semifinal. Uh, Joey Beltran will be facing the janitor, Vladimir Matyshenko. Uh, Nathan Coy, Adam McDonough, and, of course, LeVar Big Johnson taking on Blagoy Ivanov will also round out that card as usual. The main event, the the main card will be on Spike TV and the prelims will be on Spike.com. All right, so Gina Carano was supposed to be meeting with Dana White this week. Who knows what's going to happen, but I will say that if all goes according to plan, I'm sure uh, Dana White will work out a deal where we can at least get either a catchweight fight with Ronda Rousey or Gina Carano will commit to actually coming in at the weight class that Ronda Rousey is in and maybe getting a few fights under her belt. She has a four-fight contract with the UFC still that was purchased from her Strike Force days. I think it'll be very interesting to see what kind of an impact Gina Carano makes. Plus, a lot of people are feeling a little antsy just because Ronda's saying that she's willing to go up and wait to fight Gina Carano. A lot of forums and websites are talking about it being a hypocritical statement, but... The Rousey camp and a lot of other fighters are saying that Gina Carano was one of the founders of women's MMA and the face of women's MMA, take that for what it's worth, and that she deserves an opportunity. Again, I don't know if that's the case, but 
you know, it's 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 definitely a slippery slope with regards to that particular fight. Again, as the story develops, I will make sure to share it with you guys. All right. So with that said, that is going to wrap up this week's MMA segment. Uh, let's get into some wrestling news. Uh, like I said, there is a lot to discuss. If you want to call in and take part in any of these segments for this evening, 347-324-3541 is our call in number, 347-324-3541. Just a quick, remi- uh, quick reminder that you can listen via the call-in number. Just do not press option one to enter the caller queue. Otherwise, you can also listen via Mixler, uh, gfqlive.tv, or mtrlive.tv. And, of course, if you are in the Blog Talk Radio chat room, I advise you to go to mtrlive.com and utilize that chat room. Same thing with those of you that are using Mixler. If you are on your computer and want to participate in the chat room where I'm seeing a lot of lively discussion about uh, the, the Ultimate Warrior, make sure to join in that way. All right, so let's get into this week's wrestling segment. And, of course, to get the ball rolling, Booker T, take it away. We want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, nigga! This week's wrestling segment is brought to you by WWEShop.com. Make sure to pick up any of the merchandise seen on air, including this shirt, by hitting up WWEShop.com. You can use our promo code WWESAVE10 to order, uh, save $10 on orders over $70 or more. Okay, so, of course, I figured let's open up with WrestleMania 30. Uh, WrestleMania 30 had so much fanfare going into it. I know a lot of you guys are going to have a lot to say about the Undertaker streak being broken by Brock Lesnar. There is an incredible amount of information floating around, and I want to get into that because it's something that really, really, really um, changed the landscape of the wrestling business. And for anybody that says that that's not the case, you are truly and utterly fucking crazy if you think that the landscape of professional wrestling was not changed with the Undertaker streak being broken. Now, first and foremost, I have to say that I actually watched WrestleMania 30. I didn't get to watch it live uh, because I, I went to visit uh, some new family members that I was introduced to, and that's a, that's a story for another day. But either way, um, I went to meet these family members and, and my sister as well, and I did not get to watch the card as it happened. But... The beauty of it all is that our, our, our MTR team did a tremendous job uh, managing the MTR live blog. So definitely uh, Jay Santee, Quark, Blade, give yourselves a pat on the back for that. Um, you guys really, really did a great job, and I wanted to let you guys know that on air. The other thing I did want to talk about was the fact that there was a lot of people sending me text messages as the, as the events went on. So definitely thank you to those guys to keeping me in the loop, but let's talk about the matches. Let us talk about the matches because there's a lot of there's a lot of discussion about the matches. Obviously, uh, the Fatal Four Way um, tag team match that got the ball rolling. There was a lot of there were a lot of implications from this match that, of course, would be felt later on in the evening and Monday night on Raw. First off, of course, we have 
the Usos, which came in there, the heavy favorites, looking at these matches and looking at their opponents, I really felt that it would be, it would be not be a travesty, but it would be something where to take the belts off the Usos, which really should be the cornerstone of your division, and give it to, say, you know, uh, Los Matadores or give it to uh, Rybaxel or the Real Americans, it just wouldn't have done anything for the division. On the contrary, what I feel is that the Usos, given how much they've improved, you want to build the division around an established tag team. Not a thrown-together tag team like Axel and Ryback, or a comedy tag team that hasn't really hit its stride like uh, Los Matadores. On the contrary, what you want to do is you want to build it with a team like the Usos that will allow another team like the Ascension, when they get the call-up, you want to be able to you know, have an opportunity to revitalize that division. I truly, truly feel that the tag team division has an incredible amount of potential. There are some solid, solid teams in the WWE that if pushed right can do tremendous damage. Everybody forgets that um, Evan Bourne is cleared to return to the ring. Who knows, we may see him and Tyson Kidd back together and getting an opportunity um, to compete in the tag team division. I think that would be able to kind of get the ball rolling and and really reinvigorate and give that division a shot in the arm. As for the match itself, the match was surprisingly good. Um, Cesaro, of course, hitting a ton of great spots, uh, definitely showing showing his prowess, showing off um, what we were going to be seeing later on this evening. Of course, the Usos uh, defeated uh, the Real Americans. Antonio Cesaro ate the pin with a double-team top rope splash. Afterwards, of course, Swagger and Cesaro... Uh, they break up, the Real Americans dead. Now, the funny thing about this is that if if you've been listening to the past couple of weeks, you know, to the show the past couple of weeks, you know that I called Cesaro winning the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. I said, this is going to be the, the moment that's going to create a new star. And anybody else that, that thought that, you know, the big show was going to win or any of those other guys, I knew Cesaro was going to win because Cesaro is the guy that has so much so much going for him as an athlete that it would be a it would be a, a big big mistake if they didn't utilize that momentum to create a brand new star. Overall, um and we'll get into that. I think I think Cesaro's performance at WrestleMania is something that will be talked about for quite some time. Now, let's talk about this opening segment. The opening segment uh Hulk Hogan Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock really, really set the tone for the evening. I felt that the chemistry between these three guys was was fantastic. There was a lot going on. And, you know, it's easy to, to laugh at Hulk Hogan for, for fucking up. But you got to realize, the guy's like 60 years old. What do you expect from him? Uh, <laughs> you know, he's like, he's, but I, what I liked about it was that those guys, they were genuinely having a good time. It didn't feel forced. It didn't feel it didn't feel scripted. It didn't feel like like something that was thrown together at the last minute. They really had some some tremendous chemistry, and it's something that a lot of people don't think about. But when you watch these guys that have natural chemistry in the ring together, you see that there's that there's magic there. Like you see when Stone Cold came out and he started interacting with Hogan. You're talking about the guys that were the leaders of the wrestling business during their particular generations. Obviously, Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, for the Attitude Era and Hulk Hogan for the Rock and Wrestling Era. 
that was, you know, that was so that was such a driving force. And not for nothing, Hogan and the NWO and and that era, it it kind of was the groundwork for the Attitude Era as well. Each one of those guys impacted each other directly and indirectly. In The Rock's case, his match with Hogan just cemented him in legendary status. Stone Cold Steve Austin, of course, his matches with The Rock just cemented him as a legend as well. And between the three of them, there's just such such incredible storytelling, some such incredible camaraderie that I was super, super pumped. I, I genuinely marked out that, that that those three guys shared the ring together, and it was just such a great, great experience. I know, um, you know, Slick says, Hogan's contribution to wrestling cannot be denied, and I don't even like the guy. And that's what I'm saying. Like, it's it's tough. It's tough to look at this business, whether whether you're a new fan, an old fan, um, a longtime fan, a pundit, a casual observer, a blogger, a broadcaster, and not realize the significant impact that Hogan had on this business. You know, it's very it's very easy to say that, you know, Hogan and Bischoff killed TNA. Thank you, Val. Um, you can say that Hulk Hogan was part of the reason WCW went under. But there's there's more factors at play than Hulk Hogan. Don't get me wrong. I do feel Hulk Hogan was, in a way, responsible for TNA's current state of affairs. I, I do feel that that is the case. But he is not the only party to blame there. you got to blame Eric Bischoff. you got to blame Viacom. There's, there's a lot of people you have to, you have to blame for TNA's current situation, not, not to mention management itself, including Dixie Carter. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy, but the impact that, three, that these individuals have had on the wrestling business is something that you can debate about for hours and hours and hours and hours, and there will never be a clear winner. People can say, oh, Hulk Hogan is, is you know, better than, than Stone Cold Steve Austin because he had a better, a better caliber of, of opponents or he had the marketing machine of the WWE in the palm of his hand. But you also did have to take into consideration that we are looking at different eras of wrestling. In this particular instance, our era now is, is you know, what, what Triple H called the reality era. And people are saying the reality era is, is, a, is a misnomer. And I disagree. The reality era is fact. And the reason that that era fits is because we're so connected with the business now. Between being connected with, with, with our favorite wrestlers on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, we, we get a better glimpse into the lives of our favorite wrestlers now, in, in, you know, in 2014, than we got in 1998. So the reality era does apply. The reality era is, leg- is a legitimate uh, title for the current era of wrestling because it, things, are, things are viewed differently. And we as fans are more educated and have a more direct impact on the product because of the realism, because of being plugged in on Twitter and Facebook and everything. Things like that is, you know, it's, it's crazy. So before we, I digress, let's get into the other matches. Daniel Bryan and Triple H. I'll, I'll be honest. I came into I came into this I came into this concerned that Triple H was going to pull one over on the fans and go into the main event. But him and Daniel Bryan had a fantastic match with with fantastic storytelling. There's so much great storytelling that was at play there that if if you didn't if you didn't take the time to watch the match, I matched the, I watched the match twice. Twice I watched it. And 
there's a lot of things that you could have seen. You could have seen that, you know, there was the, the crippler crossface got used. Um, there was a lot of great psychology in terms of working the shoulder injury into it. It, it really, really worked out well. Plus, the, the, the thing that got me was that Triple H on the losing end cracked Daniel Bryan in the shoulder and just added an extra level to, of adversity to Daniel Bryan going into the main event. You have this huge shoulder injury, and, you know, it's, it's crazy that, well, shoulder injury in quotes, because when you look at it, you say to yourself, damn, you know, what the hell was that? Why did Triple H do that? But you have to look at it from a from a deeper standpoint, from a deeper story. And I think that that match, the storytelling in that match was top notch. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a huge fan of Triple H for a multitude of reasons. But when it comes to the big dance, to having, excuse me, to having a big five star performance, WrestleMania is his bitch. I've never seen Triple H come out there and toss and, and put together a garbage match. You know, it was definitely, it definitely was. And Cranberry Kid, Chris Benoit was smiling during that match. That Crippler crossface was, um, was very, very well done. I, I saw and I was like, huh, very, very, very effective. Not four out of ten, Jay. Definitely not four out of ten. <laughs> nice uh, Bret Hart reference there. But, but seriously, Triple H, not a big fan of his. I feel that sometimes he's a, he's a little overhyped due to his standing in the company. But the guy goes out there and does tremendous, tremendous work. Not to mention that he comes out dressed like like Conan the Barbarian and He-Man, and he has these crazy entrances, which some people say is just something of an ego boost because nobody else gets that much of a crazy entrance. Uh, Jay Santi said Shao Kahn. Shao Kahn was a good one. You know what was funny about that? Triple H's his head mask, it, it didn't look as cool because he didn't have the long hair. The long hair kind of adds... To, to his entrance, you know, he has the, the, the long hair and it just it just looks really cool. And, um, you know, him coming in there with the crew cut, he should have grown his hair out for that because it just would have worked. Um, it would have worked better in terms of, of, you know, the match itself. Like I said, it was just a great, great match. Now, of course, the Shield and Kane and the New Age Outlaws, I felt was going to be the match that was going to go about 10, 15 minutes. This match probably, if it was if it was four minutes... It was a stretch. The Shield came in, kicked ass, and left. That's what the Shield did. They came in, they wrecked shop, they fucked shit up, and they left. That 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 three uh that double power bomb was disgusting. It was a a truly truly awesome spot. And what I liked about it was some people said, "Oh, you know, the match was too short. The the New Age Outlaws were treated like jobbers." Um. I don't feel that was the case. You're taking a group of guys that are considered the gold standard, the the leaders of the pack, the the, the you know, the ring is their yard. It was it was exactly how it should have been in my opinion. A high energy match, a high energy finish, and it gave the crowd so you know, it, it prepared the crowd for the rest of the card. I, I really felt that if that match would have gone ten minutes, it probably would have sucked. On the contrary, that's that's really you got to put those guys over as being the dominant force in this company. Jay says it in the chat. That's how you put a team over. I agree a hundred and ten percent. There was so much going on in you know going into that match that you really couldn't afford to give that match ten minutes or fifteen minutes. Even though I would have liked that from 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 the term of you know from the sense of giving these guys the rub or the push. This is what you needed to do. You know, 
Dutch Mantle is saying that there is problems with the video. Uh, what, what's going on with the videos, guys? Uh, refresh. Slick, is my video clear? Thank you, Slick. It does look clean. Uh, you know what? Maybe, maybe I'll turn it down from 1080p to 720. Maybe that'll help. Anyway, I, I am running 1080p video. I'm sure. I'm sure Andrew's gonna give me the business later on. Um. Anyway, so as I was saying, I I did feel that that match needed to be done the way that it went. Some people were were pissed off that they got jobbed out, but um, you know, it is what it is. So let's talk about this Andre the Giant Battle Royal. We all know that this was the opportunity for a lot of guys to get a payday. Think about it. When you look um when you look at it, you you say to yourself, "Oh, you know, these guys how are these guys going to get paid now that the pay-per-views are on the network?" Well, you put them in Battle Royal. You know, it's uh it's one of those things where you know, you put them in there and you give these guys a great payday. First things first, the the Battle Royal itself had the right amount of guys in there. You had you had a decent amount of jobbers, you had a decent amount of 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 mid-card guys and a de- and a decent amount of guys that are on the cusp. First things first, Antonio Cesaro's spot with Kofi Kingston was insane. Three things from that spot. First of all, Kofi Kingston, five inches lower, and he would probably never be able to create children because that's how close that was when he went over the when he went over the post. The other thing, when Kofi landed, the incredible amount of of you know of choreography that's required to land perfectly with your feet on the steps is is ridiculous. It was just a, an amazing amazing spot and continues to impress. Uh, you know, Kofi Kingston continues to impress with regards to it. I saw it and I was just like, damn, you know, that was that was an incredible spot from start to finish. It was fantastic. Mother Trucker, definitely Kofi Kingston, Spider Man, because you couldn't you couldn't choreograph that any better if you tried. It was it was a, a beautiful spot. And then with Cesaro, Cesaro went in there and he looked. Here's the funny thing: a lot of guys that were in that match you barely even saw, like um. You know, uh, what's his name? Cape Town Werewolf, Justin Gabriel. I didn't even know he was in that match till till I watched the match a second time. There were so many guys that came in and out of that match so fast that that I lost track of them. Now, with Cesaro and Big Show, what I really liked, yeah, David Brotunga, thank you, uh, John Blade, for that is true. Uh, David Otunga, where the fuck has he been? All of a sudden, he's just there, taking up space. I'm like, oh, shit. You know, <laughs> exactly. Slick Slick says, it, I was like, David Otunga still works there. Poor Zack Ryder, Cranberry Kid, damn. <laughs> oh, man. But seriously, that that's when Cesaro scoop slammed the Big Show over the top rope, it was such an amazing spot because the Big Show didn't even try to help Cesaro. It, it really was Cesaro pretty much using genuine brute strength to throw the Big Show over. And I think that it really was a high point of that match, and that's the way that match needed to end. Sure, it's easy that the Big Show should have won, but it doesn't. It it definitely wouldn't have moved or created a new star. I do have to give credit to the Big Show for coming out dressed in the Andre the Giant singlet, which I also talked about. I said, "Hey, man, it'd be cool if the Big Show came out with the Andre the Giant perm wig and the singlet." 
So maybe he listened to the show and he decided I'm going to come out just in the singlet, but the perm wig is out of the question. Either way, I definitely felt that the match succeeded in creating not only a new star, but it also allowed guys who really had no involvement in the card an opportunity to shine. Hell, Brad Maddox was in there. Brad Maddox was in this battle royal. You, you say to yourself, what the fuck? Isn't he the GM of Raw? And it's like, yeah, but, but, he, but you know, he, he's a wrestler too. <laughs> good, old, good old Brad Maddox. You blink and he was gone. But it was, it, it, the battle royal, if it's an annual tradition going forward, I think it, you can have a lot of fun with it and take the opportunity to create a new star every year. I think that's, that's something, like if they did it next year and say Zami, Sami Zayn was on the main roster, I would probably use it as a great opportunity for a guy like Sami Zayn to win. Uh, you know, a guy who who's on the cusp of greatness. If Cesaro wouldn't have won, my second choice to win it would have been Big E, just because Big E is another guy that he's this close, this close to the to the upper card. It was, you know, again, uh, a solid outing. All right, so let's talk about John Cena and Bray Wyatt. First of all, Bray Wyatt's entrance was fantastic. Him, you know, the live music for Bray Wyatt. You know, New Orleans, we're here. You know, and the, and the crazy voodoo lady dancing around, and and it was it was a fitting fitting entrance really really it's crazy that you say to yourself it wasn't that long ago that Bray Wyatt was Husky Harris and he was playing second banana to um you know Wade Barrett in the shield so think about how far he's come from being a lackey in the shield to having his own entrance at mania you know that's the that's a story that you can't even you can't even write it you know uh you know it's it's crazy that you can't even make this stuff up. Bray Wyatt went from, like I said, a, a lower tier lackey in the shield to having his own entrance at WrestleMania. You can't make that shit up. It was, it was, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Val. A lackey in the Nexus. That's correct. You know, just being, a, he, just being that type of a dude to all of a sudden having his own entrance and coming in there. And it was just an amazing amazing entrance it was it was fantastic i like that jay says i don't know who husky harris is <laughs> you rat bastard you do know who he is hell even the new nexus thank you john but overall let's talk about this match i said last week before mania that bray wyatt needed to win this match because wins and losses matter for guys like bray wyatt john cena did not need to win but here's the, here's the kicker when I watched the match the second time, it was the fact that Bray Wyatt didn't even care if he won or lost the match. That's that's kind of what really brought the loss full circle for me. Yeah, John Cena won the match, but psychologically, Bray Wyatt told a better story. He told an amazing, amazing story between trying to get John Cena to just go crazy and and you know and 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 dig into his inner monster. The level of storytelling that was at play in that entire match really made the fact that John Cena won less less of a problem. He really it really was less of a problem. And Slick's analogy is very good. He told the Batman story. He was the Joker trying to get Batman to kill him. And you know what? I do feel that that that's that that was definitely a high point. Uh, Quark is a hundred percent right. Now Val says the match was kind of boring because of Cena. You know what it is. When, when you look at a guy like John Cena, John Cena is your go-to guy 
But John Cena has never been this grandiose storyteller. He's never really been a guy that utilizes psychology effectively. It, it, much, much like they were, like some of you guys were saying earlier, John Cena is in essence Hulk Hogan for our generation because Hulk Hogan never used psychology. He never told a story. Guys like Jake the Snake tell stories. Guys like Bray Wyatt tell stories. Guys like The Undertaker tell stories. You know, these are guys that they 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 bring together uh, facets of their of their gimmick, but they also bring together just facets of good storytelling to give us a complete package. And that's that's the kind of thing that that is lacking for guys like John Cena. John Cena is the everyman. He's he's the hero. And when you know he's he's the equivalent of of Captain America. He's the equivalent of Superman. You know, there's 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 deeper psychology at play. It's not like Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan has a has a has a bona fide story. This is a guy that came through the independence, has been wrestling, you know, the majority of his life, and every time he comes into the arena, he is always the underdog. John Cena, he is he is the, you know, he is the ideal athlete. He is he is the Superman. He is Hulk Hogan. He's Captain America. He is everything that embodies um you know the 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 proverbial true face so bray wyatt utilizing just that deep-seated anger that deep-seated thank you mother trucker it's true cena is the new hogan bray wyatt just utilizing that that darker side of the story really made the match uh, very very enjoyable now again a lot of people were pissed off because it's like fuck man you know cena cena has to win every fucking match but like I said, Bray Wyatt really just swept that under the rug. It really was swept under the rug. That's, you know, that's one of those things where, like, we were talking about this at work. You know, a lot of my, a lot of my colleagues, they watch wrestling now just because of our conversation. Some of them have kids. And when we were talking about it, we said, you know, even though John Cena won the match, Bray Wyatt, he, he won the war. You know what I mean? Like, psychologically... It was it was just a better a better delivery. That's all I'm saying. So for those of you that that you know you need to maybe rewatch the match again and you'll get a, a better idea of what I'm talking about. But a lot of people were saying, you know, John Cena fucking winning was bullshit. Um and then all of a sudden, you know, Bray Wyatt is is gaining the upper hand. So it's it's gonna be very unique. How you know what they do with Bray Wyatt because there's so much potential for that character as just a genuine villain, and that's something that I feel the product is missing. They're missing a bona fide evil character. Like there's a lot of guys that are that are bad guys, but I'm talking about genuinely evil. I'm talking about like um, Ministry Undertaker when he crucified Stone Cold Steve Austin on Monday Night Raw. Um, you, you know that that was that's what I'm talking about. Genuine evil. The guy that kidnapped Stephanie McMahon in a hearse. Um, that's that's what we need. We need um, you know, we need that type of a bad guy. A bad guy that when he comes on screen, you know, something terrible, something devious, something just out of this world is gonna happen. And I think that's something that we've been missing. We haven't had that type of a bad guy. I mean, Randy Orton used to be that bad guy, but not. But you know, during his title run, Randy Orton's just been a bitch. Triple H, he's he's that kind of a bad guy, but it's not it's not the same. You know, you need you need that you need that type of a of just a devious, monstrous, evil individual. And if anybody can fill that role, 
it's Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt has the tools, the look, and the potential to be that guy. Just a just a terrible, terrible villain. And we need that. We definitely need that. Val says they removed Randy's testicles for his last run. You're damn right about that. All right, so let's talk about the streak. The Beast versus the streak. First of all, The Undertaker's entrance, as always, delivered. It delivered the goods. As soon as he came out, I said, to see that entrance live must have been, you know, it must have been a sight. It must have been amazing. I know GFQ's Coco was at WrestleMania. I'd give anything to ask him what type of a what type of a vibe that that entrance was for the undertaker but i noticed when the undertaker came out and i talked about this last year how he had the girdle to stay you know to kind of you know to stay to stay inside his tights he definitely looked um in good shape this year but you can see that he he was definitely gassed uh within within the first 5 minutes of that match uh in terms of psychology and storytelling i did feel that you were it was the unstoppable force meeting the immovable object you had you had pretty much the undertaker going in there full bore to try and give you 110%. He was fighting an individual that was bigger, faster and stronger than he was. And I want to talk about this match a little bit, but before I do, I want to say I got a tweet. I got a tweet and I want I want to get this guy's name right. Because he sent me a tweet Monday morning. And, and this guy, it, it's funny because I'm not even saying it negatively. I definitely want to give this guy his props. Uh, this guy sends me a tweet Monday morning. And he says to me, let me let me make sure I get this right so I can, uh, so I can give him his just due. Uh, where is he? Ah, yes, de- at, at Derek Manson on Twitter. Definitely got to give that guy a shout out for this. Because he sent me a tweet the next day and he said and i quote eating a little crow this morning and he said you said brock would never defeat the undertaker and i responded i responded back to him and i said i said i didn't you know i'm definitely eating crow i'll, I'll admit that wholeheartedly right now at 11:52 on thursday april 10th that i was a thousand percent wrong with the outcome of this match but you know what to, to kind of put that into consideration, you have to look at it like this. Nobody expected Brock Lesnar to win. I said it, you know, I definitely didn't see that coming, and I'll happily admit that. And that's what makes crazy, that's what makes wrestling such a crazy pastime. And it's true. You Being a fan, John says, you suspend disbelief at some point, and that's part of it. I always felt that The Undertaker was going to go 25-0 and and retire. But after seeing him in that match, I'm shocked that we were even able to get 22 matches. Just because his body is not where it should be. And I think it's becoming more and more difficult for him to, to say, you know, you know, it, you know it, it's becoming more and more difficult for him to come in and be the phenom. And the funny thing is, that when you're a wrestler like The Undertaker and you have one match a year, you're going to give it 110% to tell a great, great story. You're going to give 110% and eventually your body does give out. This is a fact. And, I, and I'll tell you, and I'll tell you, you know, a lot of fans, and this is why I want to give Derek Manson his props, a lot of fans didn't see that coming. This is why I was so 
passionate and so aggressive in saying that The Undertaker wasn't going to lose because you would never have thought in a million years. And if you did, congratulations. You are, you are, I, I, I'd love you to give me, I'd love for you to give me the lottery numbers. Nobody woke up April 6th and thought to themselves, oh, Brock Lesnar is going to beat The Undertaker today. Nobody thought that. You know? Nobody thought that. Jay says Lesnar won to shift the Vegas odds. Now, the match itself, it was it was okay considering what was involved, and they really tried to tell a good story, but what got me was the way that that match ended. It, it, when, when they counted the three, the quiet and the silence in that crowd was something that I have never, ever seen. Usually when you watch Japanese wrestling, the crowd is very quiet as a show of respect. But when you're dealing with a crowd that is so passionate, so loud, and is in, in a venue that is so massive, the fact that you can hear a pin drop when the ref was one, two, three, and everybody's just like, holy shit, did he just count three? He just counted three. Like, everybody just stopped. When I watched it, it just stopped. Cranberry Kid says, I wish it was somebody else who ended it. It was a blah match. Lesnar couldn't carry Taker to make that match good. I agree a thousand percent. I felt that it could have been anybody else to end the streak. And to see it be Brock Lesnar is is just crazy on a ton of levels. Like I said, I would rather he would have gone 25-0 and and gone into the Hall of Fame versus giving the streak to a guy who you can barely get on TV more than once um, once or twice a month. And again, it's very very easy to to you know be be angry and be upset. But you also have to take into account that the Undertaker has allegedly been uh he allegedly has creative control of his storyline. He allegedly has uh his his choice of opponents. So if you take that into consideration and again, that's not fact. That's something I've heard over the years. If The Undertaker said, when he walked into that arena and he said, you know, I want to give the streak to Brock Lesnar, it's, it's, it's crazy because, you know, allegedly, and again, this is all rumor and speculation because it's something that's been talked about for years. They said that originally Brock Les- uh, The Undertaker wanted to give the streak to Brock Lesnar when Brock Lesnar was in the company, and they said no. Then they said that last year he wanted to give the streak to CM Punk, and they said no. Now, if this is true, would you guys have rather CM Punk break the streak last year? Let's let's put that out there. If you guys would have, if if CM Punk could have broken the streak last year, would you guys have been? Wouldn't would you been less upset if CM Punk broke this broke the streak? So, Slick says, hell yeah. John Blade says, absolutely. Uh, Yeah, Slick says, I would have been okay with that. Val says, CM Punk and The Undertaker put on a better match. (laughs) Jay says, who is this CM Punk you speak of? Mother Trucker says, I'd allow it. Cranberry Kid, he could carry the match. It would have been botch after botch, and I'd still be happy. (laughs) Oh, man. GFQ viewer 211.30 says, who? That's the thing. Like, if, if CM Punk, let's let's stop for a second. If CM Punk 
could have broken the streak, it would have validated his title reign. You know, it would have validated his him being champion. You have a guy who, you know, he's 370 days as champion. He breaks the streak. It would have been an amazing story to tell. And it would have just validated CM Punk as a performer. Again, not something that anybody would have agreed with, but I, I definitely feel that would have been less of a blow when you break the streak. As for Lesnar and what, where, where you can go with him breaking the streak, we'll get into that later on in the wrestling segment. But I wanted to talk about the match. Like I said, the match was not the greatest match. Definitely wasn't. And considering how The Undertaker was the worst for wear in that match, which I talked about last week, I said if The Undertaker walks out of there out of, on his own power, it'll be a miracle. You know? And Cranberry Kid says, Lesnar's a part-timer. That's my problem. And it's funny you say that, and I want to discuss that too. So I'm glad Cranberry Kid mentioned it. Anyway, so let's talk about the Vicky Guerrero Divas Championship Invitational. First, first I got to say that that match... It was, it was less than 10 minutes. It was a great opportunity for you to run to the bathroom. And, I, and that was a swerve of a match, too, because I really thought that they would find a way to take the belt from AJ and not make her look weak. And instead, they really flipped the script, and AJ retained her title. It was, you know, it, was, it would be something, it, it was definitely a shock to me. But that match, again, was just a way to get all the Divas on, on the, on the pay-per-view. Um, and if this would have been a one-on-one -on -one match and it would have given us the chance to see the IC title and the, and the U.S. title defended, I could have accepted that. And that's kind of what bugs me. You go, you get this match, you throw this battle royal, and, you know, you throw this battle royal in there. AJ still retains, but the IC and U.S. titles do not get defended. Uh, the finish, the finish was good. I really was shocked that they kept the belt on AJ. But given what happened Monday night, I can see, you know, I can see where they were, where they were going with that, and we'll discuss that, of course, later on in the segment. So, let's talk triple threat, shall we? Triple threat match um, was tremendous. There was great storytelling. Uh, Randy Orton and Batista looked good, and and they really, really killed it in that match. All I gotta say is. Powerbomb RKO spot through the announce table. That spot was insane. That was a, a that spot was out of this world. And I got to give credit to Daniel Bryan for for willingly taking that spot and Randy Orton for landing on the fucking TV monitor. He landed on that monitor and the monitor, here's the funny thing. Those monitors, everybody's like, oh, they're gimmick monitors. Those monitors are thick as hell. And he landed on that monitor. It didn't even, it didn't even get, it didn't even dent with the amount of force that he landed on that monitor. And, and you know what's funny? If you listen to that pay-per-view and you have a home theater system, you know, a 5.1 or a 7.1, you can hear Batista, you see Batista patting him on the head. And he's like, you're all right. You're, you can hear him asking him if he's all right. And, and Orton's like, yeah, 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 go ahead, go ahead. And. You know, he started he started cracking. You know, you saw Batista just jump back into it and whipping his ass. And it was just crazy because he was he was bleeding and you can see that he was gonna be a complete disaster the next day. It was it was an amazing spot. And regardless of whether you hate Randy Orton or you hate Batista, I give Daniel Bryan credit for respecting those guys and allowing them to do that spot. Like Jay said, don't try this at home. That was an insane spot 
spot. You had three announce tables, and the way that they did that and the way that he landed, it was just, you know, Daniel Bryan, he ate that spot like a champion, but Randy Orton landing on that monitor, oh, my God, it was it was, it, it was insane. I, I had to stop and be like, holy shit. Like, again, I legit marked out when he landed on the monitor because I'm like, yo, he is hurting right now. And, again, it takes a true professional, even if in the immense pain he was probably in, to tell Batista, yo, you got to keep whooping my ass to to move the match on. And the funny thing was, Daniel Bryan, not only did he win, um, you know, not only did he win the match, but he actually won the match with a submission. So it was awesome to see Daniel Bryan tap out Batista, and it was probably the greatest moment right after that. You know, like seeing the crowd just go insane. It was a, you know... Thousands upon thousands of people chanting yes, the confetti, the pyro, all that stuff. Mother Trucker, nice, nice soup reference. His mom helps him with his tan. That that was actually something from the soup that I saw. So if you did see the uh the WWE on the soup, uh five points for that reference to Mother Trucker. But um it's it was crazy, you know, that the crowd went home happy and it was just it it, it was just such a such an amazing moment. There was there was so many great parts of that moment between the confetti raining down and the fireworks and the pyro. It was just it was just tremendous. And don't get me wrong, I I said to myself maybe CM Punk will hop the railing, and, and you know shake his hand or do something. But they they truly gave Daniel Bryan that moment that would be that would be you know the wallpaper on somebody's phone, uh, the the screensaver on your desktop because that's my that's my screensaver at work. In my office, it's, uh, you know, Daniel Bryan holding the titles and the confetti raining down. It was everything that we expected. It was an eight-month journey that that the an entire, an entire country followed. You know, everybody that's a wrestling fan here in the U.S., it was, you know, it was, oh, man, you know, Daniel Bryan's going to get jobbed out. But the WWE did us, they, they did the fans right by doing that. And sure, the loss of the streak... They really, really swerved and hurt the fans, but the but the culmination of a journey for Daniel Bryan was you know it was just amazing. It was just an amazing, amazing journey and a and a great way to close out a pay per view. Which um, like I said, it, it was it was an amazing pay per view and the streak being broken. It's gonna be something that we that will be associated with WrestleMania 30 forever. It's something that nobody will ever forget. They'll be like, hey, what do you remember? Oh, well, WrestleMania 30 was the first pay-per-view on the network, and The Undertaker's streak was broken. Everything will be, those are going to be moments that will be etched in the minds of wrestling fans forever. And if you're a Daniel Bryan fan all the way back to his Ring of Honor days, this is a bit, this was a bittersweet moment for you. This was a moment that you've probably been waiting for since he was chosen as the rookie to be with The Miz on NXT. So, with that said, and and I'm going to close it out before we go into the um the wrestling the, the rest of the wrestling segment. Was WrestleMania worth $60 if it wasn't on the network? I'm curious, would you have paid $60 for that card? Uh Slick says, "Yep." Uh you know, it's it's something where a lot of people are saying, yep, John Blade also says, yeah, 
I watched that card and I said, to watch the streak be broken, it was Val also says it, um, <laughs> Cranberry Kid, nine ninety nine a month to ruin my childhood. <laughs> it, it really, it really was a childhood destroying moment. It really was. I mean, that was one of the things that a lot of old that a lot of old school wrestling fans said to me. They were like, "Holy shit!" You know, you give us the network, you give us this great thing, and then all of a sudden, it's just it's just taken away from you like this. It it, it was tr- <laughs> it was tremendous, but um. Again, uh, for those of you that want to call in, um, feel free to do so. 347-324-3541. Again, 347-324-3541 if you want to talk about WrestleMania before we get into Monday Night Raw. I know Jay said he was calling in, but um, like I said, if you want to discuss it, feel free to call in. I'm going to bring Jay in, and I want to see what he has to say. Mr. Santee, welcome back. Well, thank you. Uh, I think I had a longer layoff than uh, Jay Leno has on his vacation time. Thanks for having me back. It's it, it was crazy, dude. We got everything running, and and of course, um, it took the passing of the Ultimate Warrior, WrestleMania 30, the Shield running roughshod through the WWE for for this for this to actually work this week. So let's let let me let me ask you overall, you know what what did you feel about the WrestleMania card as a whole? Uh, I thought from the beginning, when you looked at it on paper, you know, I myself looked at it and I was like, I don't know how they're going to gel it together. I don't know if anybody's going to buy into it. I don't know if anybody's really going to care about it. But when you saw the next next few weeks that was building up to Mania, like three, three, two weeks building, and you saw the matches that were coming together, you said, okay, this might work. Uh, When it finally came across and I was watching it, it was, I, I, I couldn't take my eyes off of it. You were what? I said I couldn't take my eyes off of it. After, after it started, I couldn't take my eyes off of it. Yeah, that that that's the thing. A lot of people said it. They were just they were just so they were just so sucked in. Like like I said, when that streak was broken, I said to myself, "You've just blown the minds." of your entire audience because wrestling we all know is extremely predictable extremely predictable but when you see that you say to yourself wow the 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 wwe can still get one over on the fans well i think that's what 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 everybody became more pulled into now because now it's like okay Although they were thinking that WWE and creative is not listening to the fans, and it's like I wrote, you know, a couple of weeks ago, they're paying attention. They know exactly what it is, how to reel you in. They know how how to, you know, rile up the emotions. We, we, we're seeing it on, on, on the roles. We've seen it in the crowd. We've seen it in the chat rooms. You know, that's what WWE, the, the WWE wants to do. And this is why Triple H has labeled it the, 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 the reality era, because in reality, they're listening, but they're, you know, they, this is their way of putting across the story. And WrestleMania pretty much was the end of deal of their capping of their storytelling for their, that, that, that run. I, you know, I went into this card and as the sh- and you know this because you guys have stuck with me with the buildup of mania. I went into the card and week by week, I, I started to get a little more pumped and a little more, 
I started feeling a little bit more positive about certain parts of it. Sure, I still had my my issues with it, but I said, wow, this is shaping up to be a really, really crazy WrestleMania. And to think about all the different things we talked about. Will Sting show up? Will CM Punk show up? Will Daniel Bryan win the belt? Will the Undertaker streak continue? You know what I mean? Like, we had so many things on the docket to discuss weeks and weeks before this card happened that by the time we got to the card, we, we, we wanted to be wrong. Like, subconsciously, a lot of us wanted to be wrong. Like, I wouldn't, like I said, I never in a million years would have thought that Brock Lesnar, of all people, would have broke the streak. But I think what, 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 what we're looking at was, you know, WWE took a look at themselves and they said, you know what, the past few WrestleManias we had, they were very lackluster. I mean, we had a main event with Rock and Cena that really didn't go over well, especially with the fans because of what happened the first runaround with Rock winning. And then we had last year's Mania because, you know, and then although it seemed that New York would have been the fitting place, and, and I just came to look at it and I said, you know, New York had to be the worst place for Mania to be at, and even that main event didn't go over, over well with the fans. I think right. this year it was like that year that they needed to give it back to us. Well, I think I think giving it back to the fans was definitely on the WWE's agenda, but I also feel that they when you when I tell you this is the Super Bowl of professional wrestling, there are certain expectations we have. I have one expectation that still is not being fulfilled and you guys may agree or disagree wrestlemania should have every title defended every title should be defended women's ic u.s title if it's still around uh tag team titles the the main the main belt you everyone right there between the main belt the tag team titles the u.s championship the ic belt and the women's championship you have five matches done so everything else that you throw in between could be those matches with the bigger with the bigger with the bigger draws now john says that's what night of champions is for and that's fine but all the big feuds the culminations of all these great feuds going on the you know into into the wrestlemania main event it's it's one of those things where every title should be defended and like slick said wrestlemania should be the night of champions I agree. Well, then, well, it's funny that you mentioned you know the Super Bowl uh, of wrestling because if you notice this year, it, WWE started taking a lot of uh, pieces from the NFL and their yep. Super Bowl week. That's right. I mean, we already know that they do the access. They had the pre-show starting two hours before the Super Bowl. Usually, is like pretty much all day. They had you know commentators. They, I mean, they 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 pretty much was pulling out all stops. You know, Dude, they, the they Hall of Fame the had a red carpet. Simulcast, all of that. The Hall of Fame had a red carpet pre-show. <laughs> yeah, you know, they 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 pretty much was like, you know what, we're gonna take a piece here. We're gonna take it. We know we're finally gonna be able to take you know the, the element of of of, of media and make it as big as we want, as we wanted to. And sure enough, they rolled out the red carpet and the whole extravaganza. This That's year. right. It was, it, was, it was definitely one of those moments where I said to myself, the network is a, is a fantastic tool to give the audience a deeper glimpse into WrestleMania. Between the cameras following Daniel Bryan, uh, there were cameras that were allegedly following around the Ultimate Warrior. 
You know, there was there was there was such a deeper glimpse. There was such a better connection with the card as a whole that when you saw it afterwards, you said to yourself, "This is probably the most complete experience, other than being there, that I've had as a fan." They even went so far into the NFL's old um, repertoire that they even got a former NFL player as a commentator. Yep, that shocked me. No, I, I agree. I agree a hundred percent with that. I mean, there was there were a lot of things that really, really set the bar very high for this, and I and I do feel that the network was a great vehicle for that. I think that if if we wouldn't have had the network to kind of be the driving force and help us build WrestleMania more effectively, I don't feel it would have been as successful. Because I guarantee you, if the Undertaker would have lost and everybody would have been buying that on pay per view, you know, you'd have some some guy. Wanting a refund because the Undertaker lost. Yeah, my you know with you know with with the whole spin with you know him losing and the Brian win and all this, and all this stuff. I think you know I, I I checked the chat room. I you know I went I did my own investigating and I didn't really notice a lot of people unhappy with this WrestleMania. I think they were pretty much pleased with how this it came across. I was. I mean, yep. I for for me to be sitting in my living room and watching it. On the network, you know, it, it was it was big this year. It really was, and I went to Mania last year, and I thought you it did. was much better this year. It was it was definitely you know it was it was one of those things where when you look at it and you look at the, you know the sum of all parts, so to speak, you you end up getting a better experience out of this because, like I said, the network was such a huge part of it. You know, again, and I and I feel that WrestleMania thirty one. They're gonna work their hardest to eclipse WrestleMania 30. Yeah, WrestleMania 30 is historic because it's it's 30 years of WrestleMania. But you're also going into your next year of programming with a full network at your disposal. I think this was like the first time in really a long time, and probably I think I've even seen in the social media and in, in, in a whole that everybody after Mania went off and you were able to soak it in. You said to yourself and you said to everybody, I can't wait for tomorrow. I got to see what happens on Raw tomorrow. Oh, dude, what what was the, what you saw, I wrote on the fan page. I'm like, I can't wait till fucking Thursday because let me, let me tell you guys something. When I, when I do the shows, this is, this is the thought process. I do the show. When I finish the show at, at two thirty, three o'clock in the morning on Friday, I'm usually editing till four o'clock. I get up, I go to work. I come home, I finish editing video, audio, and upload it to the site, GFQ, whatever the case is. I wanted to get to this Thursday so badly because it was, it, it really, it really is. And people don't understand this. People talk about wrestling being, you know, besides it being scripted or whatever, wrestling is still camaraderie. You know what I'm saying? It's like when we were in high school and rest and and you watched the pay-per-view Sunday, that Monday morning you'd be in class talking about the pay-per-view. You'd be talking about it on the bus. You'd be talking about it walking through the halls, whatever the case is. And that camaraderie that exists as a wrestling fan, it's it just it just neat it, it's something that with the network and with the programming and with the internet, it brings you closer to to your audience. I mean, for me it's just great coming on here and shooting the shit with with all you guys around the world but besides that it's also the fact that it allows wrestling to continue to grow with the fans 
I had um, it, 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 when you you saying that is actually is, is true to life because I where I work I sit like right in the middle of the lobby and you know I don't have many people who are wrestling fans you know I might have a few here and there but people who I work with they know that I'm a fan so come the next day when I'm sitting there everybody comes up to me and was like. So what happened at Mania? Yo, yep. that's what my, 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 my Facebook, it was crazy. It was like it was the Super Bowl was on. And then like this whole week, everybody just was like stopping by. Who knows me? And they're like, oh, yo, the thing with Warrior and the thing with Undertaker. Was on. So this week was like a big culmination of people who aren't wrestling fans, but they want to know something. Like it, it's the yep. lure to pull them back in. And that's what happens. The, the, the beauty of being a wrestling fan now in the quote-unquote reality era isn't just the enjoyment of the product. But it's the enjoyment of allowing the product to grow at a level that it doesn't grow with just programming. The fans talk about it. You know what it's like that that you wake up Monday morning after WrestleMania and the and the law the Undertaker's loss is on the front page of Yahoo. Like like who would have thought that? Usually when you look on the front page of Yahoo or any major news site and it's related to wrestling, it's about the death of a performer or something negative going on. But the fact that it was like the streak is broken and everybody's just like, <gasps> you know, it's just like the, like the world just came to a screeching halt. And, and that, that as a yeah, fan John, puts a smile on my face, you know? Yeah. John Stewart is talking about it in yep. the daily show. Like it, it's weird. I, I mean, I have a friend who, I, you know, I see from time to time and he hasn't watched wrestling in a while. I'm like, and the first thing that I, I looked at when I got on my phone, I, you know, I got a text and it was like, it's a sad day in wrestling, B. Undertaker lost. And it was just like, <laughs> it, it affected everybody. Yep, it affected everybody. Young, old, longtime fans, old school fans, uh, guys who haven't watched a product in a long time, guys who watch the product on a, on a consistent basis. It was something that really, really was a culmination of, of fantastic storytelling. And when, and when you walk just, into... Just, go ahead. No, no, I just wanted to ask for the guys in the chat room. Just a quick question. How many of you guys went to bed and it was tough for you to go to sleep thinking about that Undertaker loss? Like, how many of you guys went to bed almost upset? Dude, I watched that card because it was at, you know, late at night after 11 p.m. I watched that card and um, I said to myself, I said to myself, holy shit, um, I can't believe he fucking lost. You know, my wife, my wife was, was, was falling asleep, and she just goes, I can't believe that. She goes, half asleep, she goes, I can't believe they gave it to that fucker. You know, because she's, you know, we met, we met Brock Lesnar, and you guys know my story with Brock Lesnar, but it's like, I can't believe, there was so many things going on. I couldn't believe he lost. I couldn't believe he lost to Lesnar. It was just so much shit, man. You're just like... She's, she's like, I can't believe he fucking lost to that guy. And, and and it's crazy that those are the last words, you know. Usually it's like, you know, good night, dear. I'll see you in the morning. It was, good night, I can't believe he fucking lost to that guy. You know, like that's, why would that happen, you know? Yeah, I think that was, that was the same thing I was echoing through, like, the majority of the, of the wrestling world. It was like, why him? Exactly. It could have been anybody, but why him? Well, while I while I while I have you on air, I want to I want to get into Monday Night Raw this week, and um, the the guys in the chat were asking me about if I'm gonna play video this week, and I want to address that a little bit just because um, our friends at GFQ let me know that uh, you know the guys at UStream had some issues with 
us playing copyrighted content. So, you know, video is going to be played, but just keep that into, you know, keep that in consideration that it's not going to be an OD like, um, like I did, uh, last week, but I got I have to share, uh, Daniel Bryan's win celebration because it was just a, 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 a wonderful fucking moment as a fan. And if you didn't see it, um, I'm going to share it with you guys because it was tremendous. Check this out. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the new WWE World Heavyweight Champion, Daniel So with that said, imagine imagine the disbelief of staring into a stadium as as a guy like Daniel Bryan, an underdog, an individual who nobody thought would reach the level he reached. Imagine walking in there and just people going insane. Psychologically, you have to say to yourself, this is the greatest day of my life. Right? I mean, we, 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 you know, for many of us who are wrestling fans, you know, who are Daniel Bryan fans, we know him from humble beginnings. We know him from, you know, the ROH days. We know him from the Indies. You know, you know, this was a guy that we knew was going to have something, but we weren't quite sure what it was going to be. Right. And for him to actually make it in that way, was like if we made it, like we said, we told you so. Like we yep. just looked at the look at everybody who they believe and said, we told you this guy had it. And even right. I, I was skeptical in the beginning when he first came in because I said, you know, he's not going to get over. You know, you know, he, he, these guys are not going to get him in his mic skills. They're not going to get his persona. You know, and you know his repertoire on wrestling is not what they're used to. But when he finally walked out on Monday Night Raw and you heard the crowd, it was like they finally understand where we were coming from. That's exactly it. You 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 felt that moment of jubilation, that moment of joy, seeing seeing one not one of your own, but in a way one of your own. Because like I said, and and you and you touched on this as well. If you've been following Daniel Bryan's career from Ring of Honor, from the independent scene. And you realize that the guy, the guy's overcome amazing odds to get to where he is. You feel that you were part of that journey. Every time that there was a yes chant, every time you bought a t-shirt, every time you waved the towel around, every time you'd wake up and, and you know, you'd put a, a Daniel Bryan meme on the internet, every time that you'd share a match, you, the fans, were part of this. This is why whenever he does these interviews, he says it. He goes, I owe it to the fans. He, I, you know, I, I owe it to them. They're a big part of this. And it's true, like the Yes movement, even though it's it's something that WWE crafted and the WWE created, the Yes movement is, the, is really the Daniel Bryan movement. It is the support for independent wrestling. 
It is the belief that guys who have honed their skills outside of the WWE power plant, so to speak, have more to offer this business than the guys that are coming out of their doors. Guy, you know, the guys like the Daniel Bryans, the Antonio Cesaros, the Tyler Blacks, a.k.a. the Seth Rollins, the Dean Ambrose, you know, the list goes on of guys, the Sami Zayn's, the Kevin Steen's. There, there's so many great individuals out there that when they get to the top of this business, Daniel Bryan is gonna be is the guy who is gonna be viewed as the gold standard. Period. And they wanted, you know, and they wanted to throw, you know, throw let's throw him as a heel. You know, we 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 we, we he's not gonna even you know cut it as a heel out there. And and even as a heel, like the fans was like, I don't, I don't give a crap. Who gives a shit if he's a heel? I mean, we're we're still behind this guy. You know. We, you know, you even tried to squash him at Mania with his 19-second match, and it was like nobody cared. It was like, yo, get this guy, get him in matches already. Let's get him the belt. Let's get him the legitimacy already. Mother Trucker says Brian connects with the fans because he's an underdog that fights authority and isn't huge like most top guys. That's that's a hundred percent true. I think I think that's what it is. But like I said, for those of us that have been following wrestling for so long, that you know, we followed these guys from their journeys through Ring of Honor or TNA or, you know, WCW for guys when WWE bought WCW, ECW. I mean, I felt the same way about Daniel Bryan winning the belt as I did when Rob Van Dam won the belt the first time from John Cena at One Night Stand. It's the same feeling. It's the culmination of something great that you were a part of, you know? Yeah, and, and and right now, now that you know, if, if the skeptics right now, and I don't really think there's a lot, but there's just a few who's sitting there going, "Okay, now what? We got him to the top. Now what?" Oh, I have, and I have a lot of, I have a lot of plans people, for Daniel Bryan. <laughs> oh yeah, please. I mean, there are so many avenues that you can take this. You know, they. I mean, you can weave this to whatever you 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 can weave them to have the belt until next WrestleMania with all the challenges that he has to face. I mean, you could do so much with Absolutely. Him. So don't don't be too skeptical, guys. Just know that it's still going to be a, a long ride ahead of him. Well, while I got you here, we'll go through Raw, and then you, know, you can help me open up uh, some of the Ultimate Warrior discussion. Uh, Monday Night Raw opened up with uh, John Cena, Big E Langston, and Sheamus taking on the Wyatt family. Uh, first of all, the Wyatts were super over. Second of all, the Wyatts had a Wyatts going to kill you chant, which was tremendous. But the other thing that I wanted to put out there is that this, this, this six-man tag match, even though it was a great opener for Raw, it was just an opportunity for Bray Wyatt to get that win back. And it was, it was well-deserved and it was effective because it wasn't a glorified squash, but it was a glorified ass-whooping. Yeah, I'm not, you know, per se, I'm not a real big fan of any taxi matches that's, you know, regular two-on-two. But if you got the lockdown stables, which I'm hoping is coming back because we've seen, you know, with the with the combinations of the managers and stuff, if, you get it, if you're getting to that realm, if we're going to throw back like that, I can start getting back into appreciating it. The Wyatts, the Shields, especially what the Wyatts are doing right now, in that match with them going over against, you know, the super faces that they have, Right, was showing, was showing, you know, the masses that look. Although we're heels, we can work and we can make this work for you guys. I agree. Well, I I have to I have to give uh, 
uh, a shout out to what Val said. Val said it was cheap, and Slick says Cena should have took the L. I agree. Cena should have took eight to pin in that match. Instead, he's on the floor like, <sighs> like, like he's in like utter shock and shit. And I'm like, really, dude? I thought you were like the superhero. The fuck happened? <laughs> Listen, it, it, his time is coming, and believe me, with, with uh, if it looks like the cards are going that way. That there's going to be a rematch at Extreme Rules. Uh, the guys will be happy to know they will have a nice little buried section for Cena soon. Oh yeah, it's 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 going to be it's going to be crazy. Now, um, Fandango and Summer Rae took on Santino and Emma. Let's not kid ourselves. This was a train wreck of a match. And for as much kudos and as much uh, good press as Emma gets, the more you keep her in these matches with Santino and Fandango and Summer Rae the more people are going to give less of a fuck about her because the minute she comes on screen, they're going to be like, oh, she's in a match with, you know, uh, with Prissy Hen and, and, and Fandango, who pretty much has, has probably figured out that Summer Rae is legitimately a bird because he came out wearing the craziest feather fucking ensemble I've ever seen. I was like, what the fuck is this guy wearing? Do you see that shit? Well, if it looks... <laughs> Well, if it looks like a bird, talks like a bird, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> oh, dude, I was like, holy shit. You know, that, 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 like, that, entire, that entire turn of events for that match, I just said to myself, what is happening? And I'm looking at him, and I'm like, I'm like damn, you know, Fandango is just, and I feel bad for the dude because it's like, yo, he is considered the fucking worst right now. Well... <laughs> It seems as though that they've made their split uh, occur via Twitter, so you'd be happy to know that Prissy Hen is now looking for another rooster to uh, to hang on the hen to. house with, if you know what I mean. Oh yeah, but but still, it's like it's like Twitter breakups. Really, what how how e how e true Hollywood story is this shit? But besides that, you know, Emma has a good finisher, even though she comes out doing her 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 Hitler dance. <laughs> she comes out doing her Hitler dance, and I'm like, uh, yeah, you know, just, just if you put your arms a little higher, we will have some serious FCC problems. <laughs> no, oh, yeah, all we have to do is just, like, you know, put a little, uh, let, let Santino trip and drop a little pilot marker under her nose, and we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, we're, we're, we're almost there, and, it, and it's, you know, it's bad because, um, you know, Fandango, he's, he's, he's got a decent look, but every time he's been repackaged, it just doesn't work. I think I think what's what's good, what's what's happening with him is uh, they're, you know, I, I said it in early articles before. I said, everybody, somebody has to do the job. Somebody has to be a yep. Mick Carter. You know, somebody has to get a check. Somebody has to be a lifetimer. Yeah, a lifetime Mid Carter. You know, somebody... Yeah, somebody has to be Zack Ryder. You know, this is the things that we have to do. You know, and the sun shines on the dog's ass sometime, and Fandango had that spot. <laughs> the crowd was into him, though. They came out. Everybody was, duh, but it's like, no. It's already come and gone. No. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll, see, we'll see the next dance craze and see what he'll jump onto next after that one. Well, here, here's the crazy thing. After this... Paul Heyman came out and cut what I felt was the ultimate promo. And people are saying, oh, well, why'd you think this was the ultimate promo? Here's, here's why. Your, your, your client defeated what, what's pretty much a bona fide legend 
and the crowd hates you so much that you can't get a word in edgewise. And what he did was he fed off of the crowd to the point where he said, he's like, hey, we don't give a shit. Brock Lesnar's not here to be liked. Brock Lesnar's not here to entertain you. Brock Lesnar's not here to be, you know, your savior. Brock Lesnar is here to break the streak, win championships, and that's it. It it, it was the it was the it was a it was you know he's here to scare children. Thank you, Slick. It's true. Like Brock Lesnar, when you look at him, what well, you know how I said the company needs a, a scary heel, somebody they can hate, and Bray Wyatt's that guy. Brock Lesnar's that guy without even trying. It was, it, it, first of all, let me just throw it out there. If anybody doesn't know, Heyman is God. But it, it, just, 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 just delete any other person that you know from the, from the record books with Mike skills, manager-wise, whatever. Heyman is God. I had someone ask me, do you think that Heyman actually rehearses that? I said, there's no way. Nope. Because Heyman works off the crowd. Yep. And he works it with such prestige and perfection. As I said in the, in the blog, I said he went from taking – he already had heat going in right. to making it nuclear. Yep. It was nuclear bomb heat. Yep. It was ridiculous. I'm even surprised that the crowd restrained themselves from throwing garbage and stuff at him because it was amazing. And by the way, since you do like Looney Tune references – Brock Lesnar always has this look on his face like he has no clue what Paul is talking about. Yep. And he kind of looks like that abominable snowman that was playing with Bugs Bunny and is like, I will hug him and squeeze him yes. and name him George. Like, he's just lost. Brock, that um, it's funny you use that analogy because I look at Brock Lesnar and I think of the big orange monster. I think of Gossamer. He comes out. He stands there with his big angry face, you know, and, and that's it. He's pulling his T-shirt and he's like, look, look, I beat the streak. Like, like Brock Lesnar, let me tell you, everybody hates Brock Lesnar, but I'd love to be Brock Lesnar to collect those checks. Think about it. Brock Lesnar comes in, works three days a month, does no press to build matches. No press. Paul Heyman does all his press. He goes out there, breaks the streak, and goes home. Like as much as as much as it's easy to hate Brock Lesnar, it's like yo, I'd want to be Brock Lesnar. Shit, you know. Somebody says, "Look mean." Check. Yep. Have a body to kick ass with. Check. Check. Doesn't have to talk on a microphone. Check. All right, that's Brock. We can do this. I got it. And that and that's what people fail to understand. Listen, I I've met Brock Lesnar. He's a very surly, antisocial individual. Very surly, very antisocial, but this is who he is. And this is the funny thing, and the UFC touched on it. Brock Lesnar doesn't want to go out there and sell fights. Brock Lesnar doesn't want to go out there and, and hold little kids and take pictures. Brock Lesnar doesn't want to go out there and do shit for Make-A-Wish. Brock Lesnar doesn't want to do any of that. Brock Lesnar, this is his job. Goes out there, beats you to death, takes his paycheck, goes home, shoots a deer, Eats eat some stew and goes to bed. Like that's that's what people. And to be honest, I go ahead. I can't even be mad at that. Because there you go. That's, that reminds me of like the old school style of what wrestling was supposed to be about. Like, right. You know, I used to. You know, as a kid, I would imagine that Iron Sheik was like a real prick. Like he was like, 
straight on America, like, and he was like that, like twenty four seven. Like, I wouldn't like it would be fine for me to believe that. Right, and that's what you want from this guy. I don't care if this guy's not out there freaking shaking our hands and saying thanks for watching. Wrestling. Yeah, it's like, it, fuck you. I'm kicking ass. Like, like that's the crazy thing. Like when he was in the UFC, he brought that wrestling atmosphere to the UFC. But the other thing that 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 happened with Brock Lesnar was that he he everybody finally realized and the UFC fans it took them three two pay-per-view fights to realize Brock Lesnar was born during the wrong time period this guy is a walking talking you know tool of violence D- don't get me wrong the only thing that's defeated Brock Lesnar is diverticulitis and Alistair Overeem that's it you know what I'm saying like this is can a you guy- can you Go ahead. Can you imagine the early days when he was at WWE and, like, they had him, you know, they wanted him to do these promos and, you know, he was doing the banter back and forth for Kurt Angle and stuff like this. It must have been, like, really, really killing him going, oh, God, I got to do this thing. Like, oh, this is direct. And I and I can probably even imagine that's probably another reason why he just left because he's like, I, I could, you know, I can see it right now. Triple H is like, listen, just come back, wrestle. People will hate you. You don't have to do much. That's it. You know, we'll, we'll pay you a shitload of money. Just do this. That's it. And th- and that's and that's the thing people don't understand that there's no there's no ceiling for this guy. This guy, this is all he's got to do. He's got to come in. He's gotta he's gotta make noise, and then he's gotta leave. And now and and this is where I, I I'm glad you called in because think about this. What if Brock Lesnar starts his own streak? And you have to defeat the Beast at WrestleMania. Tell me that that doesn't make sense considering that he barely works as it is. Right. And it seems logical because now, you know, now basically WWE has, you know, to really work hard to put together story angles to get to WrestleMania because they already had the catch line of, well, come watch WrestleMania because Undertaker is still undefeated. Right now that that's done, now you really have to get a tagline to get along with it. So that's a great possibility to get Lesnar involved with. And and, Let, and that, he'll come do the same thing in Undertaker, collect the check and leave. And that's and that's basically it. Like like people like you know instead of defeating the streak, like and all you need is Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman says everybody talked about beating the streak. Now that Brock Lesnar's beating the streak, people need to beat him. And think about it, Brock Lesnar could wrestle every other match during the year and lose, but at WrestleMania, he has to remain undefeated until you create a streak. Well, and now, he's young enough. Pretty much now, it'll, 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 everybody will erase the fact that he lost last year. Bingo. Or, or, you know, so it, it wouldn't even count. It's like, he wrestled too? No, 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 that didn't happen. Oh, no. right, so now it's... The, the legacy starts now after beating the Undertaker. Now exactly. he's definitely undefeated. I can see that. And, and the other fact is that you got to look at Brock Lesnar's not an old guy. So even if you get 10, 10 WrestleManias out of him, you're good. Come you know? fight is like a, like, a, uh, like a circus barker. It's like, come fight the man who beat the Undertaker. That's it. Throw your fans in the ring. $5. That's it. John John Blade says to be the streak, you got to beat the streak. And it's funny, but it's true. It's, it's, I, th- I think. Uh, it, I, I, I'm, I'm hoping that he does, he, he does find some avenue in which they'll make him a slightly more interesting to want to come back. Because 
I mean, although the interest is that you just want to hate him and hate right. him is great for it, but there still has to be that certain niche for somebody to say, don't just put him in there with anybody. He's got to fight somebody with substance. Right. Well, I have I have an idea, and this this a lot of people are going to get bent out of shape. But think about this: you you go you go right into say January, right into December, maybe Survivor Series. Brought, uh, Paul Heyman brings Lesnar in, challenges challenges Daniel Bryan, beats Daniel Bryan. Lesnar defends the belt all the way to Mania. Daniel Bryan once again overcomes the odds by winning the Rumble like he was supposed to this year, and it'll be the Beast versus the Goat at Mania. Think about it. Overcoming that could actually lead to a lot of stuff going. Think about it. People might actually get into fist fights and bars. Right, but this is what I'm saying. You're overcoming the odds. You're using Daniel Bryan as the underdog, but you have him go to Mania. And then, you know, Mother Trucker says if that happens, it'll become predictable. But it'll become predictable if you think Daniel Bryan is going to win. What if he doesn't? What if Brock Lesnar cements that streak and keeps Daniel Bryan from winning the belt at Mania? What if for once and evil... It was what if evil when everybody thought Undertaker was going to win. Exactly. What if evil finally triumphs at WrestleMania? Like we always say, good always wins at WrestleMania. What if, what if you do? What if you swerve the fans yet again, and evil triumphs? The bad guys win at WrestleMania. That, but, hey, it, it, if anything was telling you the storytelling of what was in that crowd that night at WrestleMania after they and it was great because as soon as that hand hit for the three count and they flashed the record and. Those faces on the screen just went across the in rapid motion. That is pretty much where your predictability went out the window. So you can see something like that again happen with Lesnar, let's say Bryan next year. And this is and this is what I'm saying. And not for nothing, Daniel Bryan and Brock Lesnar can have a tremendous catch wrestling match. You know that. That's true. Yeah, that's true. That's very much true. And then. It's the whole David and Goliath aspect. Yep, David and... these two stand next to each other. It doesn't even look fair. Exactly. And that's where Daniel Bryan, the underdog, comes in. And sure, you can you can say, oh, the underdog is going gonna, is gonna to win. But again, what if he doesn't? Considering how unpredictable, how they got us, why not? Yeah, they, 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 they're, they're pretty much realistic, especially if the heat from Lesnar and the... The pop, the Brian could still ride the waves for the next year. That 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 could generate that could generate some ticket sales. That that could there definitely work. So let's talk about the return of one Rob Van Dam, who even as old as he is, still gets the job done. Um, I do I do feel bad that it was at the extent of uh, you know at the expense of Damian Sandow, who is just I don't know what who he pissed off, but um, Rob Van Dam being back in in. Uh, on WWE television is good because this is a guy who he doesn't he doesn't come in there with aspirations of winning the title. He comes in there to entertain and he goes home. But you know what I would have liked that if you would have swerved everybody and and make Rob Van Dam a you know a, a genuine Heyman guy. Who who's still not to say that that's not in the cards? I Dude, mean, I would if, love that. If, if if we're looking at stables coming together. Yep. You know, and management, you know, managers coming. Who's to say that that's still not coming down the line? I mean, what would have been the big, you know, the biggest word was that, you know, Damien Sandow, you know, gets, you know, uh, 
pulls a fast one on RVD, gets a DQ, but, you know, maybe start a little something here and there because apparently him and Ziggler are in the same bunk bed doghouse with each other. So, I mean, maybe something can get generated because Rob comes in, gets the pop. He had a nice spot outside when he did the spinning leg. on a, But, like, what goes on after? You know, after a while, the fans get kind of jaded. Yep. Well, here's 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 how I see it. You 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 take Van Dam, you make him a Heyman guy, and you can do you can have him and Cesaro make a run at the belts. Imagine imagine the Cesaro swing with the finish coming into a five star frog splash. You know, like that's the, yeah. the, the like yeah. that's the kind of stuff that people. The problem with Van Dam is you have a limited shelf life with him. In other words, Rob Van Dam likes to come in, work a couple of months, and take time off, and that's great. So in that limited shelf life, you can keep him involved in something that will at least make his time there worth something. Yeah, and then you can get, you know, if you get you pull Van Damme in, you get one other guy in the roster uh, who you want to put over, but, you know, get the heel going, have them, you know, give him a tag team title, give him a nice heat run with Rob, you know, somebody that could compliment him, his veteran skills, and, you know, somebody that you really want to put over. You know, next to Cesaro, you know, going for his thing going on, and you know, it builds the Heyman guy stable to what it where it should be. Right, bring back the legitimacy after the disaster, which was right back in in Axel. Yep, because that that's a that's something nobody's ever gonna ever gonna want to discuss. Now, the other guy who who had a coming out party on Monday Night Raw that not too many people were talking about is this guy. Well, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. Oh, well, that sucked. Well, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. There you go. Clearly clearly the button got stuck. But um, bad news Barrett, not only did he have the crowd in the palm of his hand for his match with Rey Mysterio, but he looked motivated. He worked the match really, really well, and he looked like he belonged. Yeah. There was two things that I noticed about this that was when when he came out because I was psyched when I even heard the music cue up. One was I was surprised that he remembered what uh, what his wrestling trunks were because <laughs> we hadn't seen him so long. Anyway, secondly, if anybody noticed when he went to hit the bull hammer, he pulls on his elbow strap and it changed from like black to red, right? And hit the bull hammer as those that give it was the stop sign. I thought that was gold. I hope he I hope he continues to do that. That was pretty cool. The it was it was a great spot. I feel bad because Rey Mysterio just Rey Mysterio got the straight job squad out of that. But overall Barrett definitely looked fantastic in that match and hopefully it's renewed interest in the Wade Barrett character because Wade Barrett is is you know everybody felt that this guy was going to be champion two years ago. And then he he sustained that injury, and then he you know he the, everybody's like oh he's gonna come back and win money in the bank, that didn't happen, but then now it's like he came back, the crowd was super into him, he soaked it up because you could see he was loving it, but it's all about yeah you had the you had the the unique crowd the Monday after rain after mania, it's it's the next Monday, that's gonna matter more because it's like yeah the crowd after mania is always amazing. Always memorable, but what happens after that? Let's put a lineup right now because I, I just came up with. Uh, what is the, what are the odds of 
uh, Bad News Barrett becoming a Heyman guy. You know what's scary to think that that could fucking happen? <laughs> it's scary that it could happen, but you know what I'd like? I'd like for Bad News Barrett to show up on NXT, and all of a sudden he's in a match. The match ends. William Regal goes, excuse me one second, gentlemen, takes off his headset, goes in there, beats beats the, the opponent's ass with Wade Barrett and becomes his manager. Oh, great. The British Invasion 2.0. Dude, William Regal as Bad News Barrett's manager would be amazing. It would be amazing. William Regal comes out and he goes, you know, he's like, oh, you know, I, I'm a, who's my opponent tonight? And he's like, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. And all of a sudden the beat drops and, and, and you know, Wade Barrett comes out. It, it's 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 too perfect. It is too perfect for that. But it, it would be, Go ahead. And it fits the, the whole heel mode of, like, you know, the classic, you know, foreign heel yep. team. Like, that is just like, uh, that's, uh, we have the real Americans, now we have... Great Britain. <laughs> That's it. Well, well, no, you could, you could just, you could just, you know, you could just call them the Brits, or that's it. You could just call them the Brits, and and that and that that would be it. And you know what's funny? They come out, and you know, William Regal, he'll he'll say he's like, you know, I I sit at the announce booth, and and these guys, they they talk about all these great people and and all these great individuals, and my own countrymen. My own countryman has been relegating to delivering bad news. Well, I got bad news for you, and it's this guy. And then all of a sudden, Barrett just comes out. He starts fucking people up. Like it should be that before he has a match with an opponent, he knocks on their door on the locker room door. He walks in, and he's just like, "I'm afraid I got some bad news." And when the guy goes, "Gee, what happened?" He goes, "You're facing me tonight." And then he just hits him with the elbow and walks outside to the ring. And by the way, Slick has the greatest tag team names for the day. T and Crumpets. Yes. T and Crumpets and Spotted Dicks. <laughs> Holy shit. But seriously, like, Wade Barrett's another guy that, yeah, his mic work is good, and he's a, he's a great, he's such a he's, a, he's a great guy on the mic, but if you give him that one manager, you can't give everybody to Paul Heyman, sure. But it's like, but William Regal, is such an underutilized and underrated talker that he would really put that over the top, dude. It would be tremendous. Yeah, and he, yeah, he's a, he's a charismatic guy. He knows how to get over. He knows he has humor. He, he it, it, it's he's a, he's another guy that could be utilized greatly as a manager. Plus, you know that he'll be able to take a spot bumper here and there. So it it it, it could be a good calling for the, for for that to happen. I would I would love that. So let's let's talk about Alexander Rusev finally getting a match. First of all. Lana, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, second of all, Zack Ryder just doing the J-O-B hardcore. Guy's got to cash a check somehow. Yeah, she just comes. Yo, her, um, she is. If you're going to throw it out, if you're going to throw anybody out there, who else would it be? Zack is like, man, I'll do it. Well, well here's, the, here's the thing with Zack Ryder, and I feel bad for the guy because Zack Ryder has has a tremendous upside. This is a guy who has who has your your social media audience in the palm of his hand and yet they continue to chastise and bury him because he got over without the company. Love Zack Ryder. I feel that Zack Ryder has he, like everybody talks about the Miz being, you know, uh social media savvy and the face of social media 
It's a load of horse shit. That's what Vince McMahon tells people to make himself feel good. Zack Ryder is the guy that got over with social media. The only problem with Ryder was that Ryder is so vocal about his standing that every time he thought he was not being utilized, he took it as a personal slight. And yeah, to a degree, he's right. But it's like, if you bitch about it enough, the right people are going to listen and they're going to bury you. And here we are. Look, you could do a list of the roster and, you know, like I always say, somebody's got to do the job. And, well, you know, as a kid, when I watched Wrestling Challenge or Wrestling Superstars, there was always Warrior beating down on a jobber or Ultimate Warrior. Dude, shake Barry rattling, Horowitz. Honky Tonk Man shake rattling a roller jobber. So you could see these guys right now. See, Zack Ryder could have been that guy getting pummeled by Bad News Brown. Yep. Or, you know. Well, that was, like uh, I said, Barry Horowitz. Like Kurt Hawkins. Anybody could have been. That's that's who they are now. Yep. It's like Zack Ryder is modern-day Barry Horowitz. He should just pat himself on the back on his way out. He should just fist Perfectly. bump and yeah. then pot, pat himself on the back, and that's it. Minus minus the 70s perm, he, he, he's, he's Barry Horowitz. Remember when Barry Horowitz won his one match that everybody just lost their fucking minds? That's Zack Ryder. The and day, who was it against? I, dude, I can't even remember. All I remember was Barry Horowitz won a match, and I'm like, oh, my God. You know, like, I thought it was it was the craziest shit in the world, and that's that's kind of where Zack Ryder's kind of falling into. It's like the minute Zack Ryder's in the ring and you don't even see him get an entrance, it's like, fuck, who's going to kill him this week? <laughs> that's what it is, dude. I always said the, the curse of the jobber is if you have two first names as your name, if you pull on the rope, the top of the middle rope, or you do the arm swing, you are officially a jobber. <laughs> that's that. That's default taunt number one in WWE 2K14. <laughs> but but you know it's like it's like um, as for Alexander Rusev, I think Alexander Rusev has tremendous potential in the company. He has a unique look because he, he has that Fedor Emelianenko, you know, barrel chested, not super chiseled look. Like he just looks like that, like that one guy that makes your sandwich at the deli who you don't want to talk too tough to because you know his hand looks like a big canned ham and he may strangle you, that's him. He reminds me of that. You ever you ever seen the old Tom and Jerry cartoons where the bulldog would come in and grab Tom by the neck? That's that's Alexander Rusev. He's just this big, you know, burly-looking dude. He, he's, you know, he's that guy. And for weeks, you know, we you said it, that WWE does not have that monster. You know, Kane nope. has gone corporate. You know, we don't we don't see like that monster, and Rusev looks like he can fit that. You know, especially you know, don't talk, just go in there, kick ass, be be be, be dominant, and just walk out. And that's and and, let the pretty lady speak for you. Yeah, that's it. Let let um let uh Brigitte Nielsen from Rocky Four speak for you. That's it. Whatever Rusev sees, he destroys. You know, like that's like that's pretty much it. Just send her out there. You know, with her with, with her mini skirt and jacket, everybody gets hype, and it's funny because they're like, "Oh, and you know the hot Russian," and I'm like, "What the fuck? Just what did they say?" <laughs> <laughs> and then she just she just cut that because because that's the first thing she got her own intro. That's how you know that eventually Lana's just gonna be you know the diva of the week. <laughs> 
and all the usual, you know, all the usual things that they do. As soon as as soon as the as the valet gets her own entrance, you know what you know where this is going. Poor Alexander Rusev is gonna have to learn English real quick, or he's gonna become Vladimir Kozlov 2.0. Yeah, it's, it's like the hot Russian. Wait, hold on. What was my mic on? Uh, uh, no, I wasn't supposed to say that. <laughs> yeah, like it was it was weird because the way they did it, it's like, oh yeah, you know, the 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 hot Russian, and I'm like. Get the fuck out of here! You know, like, 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 was that was Lawler doing the announcing just now? <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was ridiculous, dude. I was like, well, all right. <laughs> but yeah, and then it becomes, which, which is kind of funny because it, it kind of, it kind of reminds you of when Sunny first came out and Sunny would like come, you know, come with her tag team or come with her with her singles guy. Hey, you know, you're like, well, this guy can really do some work in the ring. But, wow, do you see Sunny out there? She looks great. Yep. Like, nothing. You, I, I used to love that when she was the manager of the Body Donnas, Skip and Zip. They'd be like, oh, yeah, Skip and Zip, they're going out there and they're having themselves a good old match. And they're Sunny. Like, like, like it was it was fantastic. And it was great because the, the commentators were, were, were such, you know, real piece of shit degenerates. They'd be like, yeah, there he goes. And then, you know. JR would be like, for God's sakes, guys, get it together. And it's just like, oh, but, you know, but Sonny, like, that's how it was, you know, and that's, that's, we, we need that. Like, we need the, we need the, the, a return to old school roots, hot managers, evil managers, and foreign bad guys and giant monsters. We need that stuff. Well, the only thing I just hope, I hope that they don't do is that she starts, if it does become a thing where she starts getting the limelight and all that Rusev becomes the jealous competitor, uh, we can do that. We can do it. Uh, let her just shine on herself. She'll be okay. Don't worry about it. She'll yeah, be all right. that, that's exactly it. And you know, you know what's funny? It's, it's Rusev's success hinges on Lana getting him over. Like, that's the crazy part. Like, yeah, Rusev is super athletic and super big, but you got to remember, when Trish Stratus was the manager of TNA, the only reason that TNA were successful after she became successful was because you had something in in test. That was it. Well, then the other part is that when you have a manager like that, you want them to be tough as well. So you can expect her to be going in the ring, slapping the shit out of yep. guys, you know, doing you know little sneaky, scary, sherry type moves. You know that that that'll really make it work for her and and Lisa. So let's let's talk about Paige de- Paige's debut. Of course, Paige is uh, uh, the the women's champion in NXT, an incredibly underrated but extremely uh, awesome performer. Uh, one thing I got to say with Paige is that a lot of people were saying that she hadn't been called up to the main roster because she wasn't she hadn't turned twenty one yet. Because you got to notice that the commentators made sure to mention that she is twenty one years old. So. It's something that you got to take into consideration because what they said, oh man, you know, she's not getting the call up because she's she's uh, you know she's underage and they don't want to have any underage divas on the road for obvious reasons, namely Batista. But um, besides that, tongue in cheek, exactly. You know, she um she her debut was well played. I like that AJ played the real real cocky heel and she was channeling her inner CM Punk during that promo talking about how she's the best in the world blah 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 it was it was very well done and it was it was very very effective in getting Paige over and I think that this really was a changing of the guard for the divas division because it's very easy to give the belts 
to one of the Bellas or give the belt to Naomi or give the belt to one of the, the cast members of Total Divas. And it's very easy to say that, but when you bring up a competitor who's genuinely a, an accomplished wrestler, think about just the few matches she can get with AJ alone, not to mention Natalia. Yeah, I the, the the two things that I'm looking for with her was like well, the first thing well, I was happy to see her come up, and it was it was it was pretty much a shock for me to see her come out. But the two things I'm looking for now is number one a better match with AJ because although that was a, a quick squash, you know the finish wasn't that clean, right? And you know I've seen them go toe to toe before, and they, they actually put can put together a better match than that, even right. though it is a squash. And two, um, the whole idea of her really enjoying the the diva's belt is against her gimmick. Like it, she's an anti diva. So, right. although she won a championship, like it just still feels a little weird because she doesn't really like like being that diva, like that kind of you know prissy type. So she shouldn't really like be like enjoy too much that belt. You know, if they were nice enough to maybe change it because of her to bring back the women's championship, that would be nice. But well, it's I funny. Mean, it just that part just felt a little off to me. Well, it says uh, Slick says they should have had Paige show up at WrestleMania. That sucks how they jobbed AJ. And I can understand where Slick is coming from, but I do I do like Paige kind of surprising AJ because you got to think about this. Now this actually gives AJ something to do that isn't feuding with the hens from Total Divas. Like that's like I understand where Slick is coming from, and and he has a valid point. But at least now you give AJ something to do, and there's always the Tamina factor as well. Her, yeah, now you have to make her climb the ladder again. Right, and and sometimes the better stories are told through the climb than being a champion. Like for AJ, the belt is a prop at this point because AJ's to the she's at the stage in her career as a diva that the belt is there. But it's it's not even mandatory because she's so over as a heel and as a face. And now, you know, for for everyone who was sitting there talking about you know it's bathroom break whenever the divas around. Yep, that changes. Now you get to see it changes now because now for those who don't know that page can work. Now you can see her square off against the limited girls that they have. So now all these girls got to step their game up. They all have to come up and sh and show that they have skills. Other than that, they might just be pushed under the bus and just not be used anymore. That's exactly it. And that's something that really has to be taken into consideration that, you know, you're, you're, you're going to start using divas that, you, that can work and they're really going to make people care about the product. You know, I, I, you know, we we understand that you're pushing the product on one show, but you still want to bring some type of legitimacy with your with your women. And you know, if you look at your hand and you only have three or four girls that can work, there's no way that you can push any legitimacy in anything. You know, your your, your total diva show is going to be worth shit because they don't even they're not even considered wrestlers. They're just models going around. That's right. Well, you know, I'm I'm definitely I'm definitely pumped to see what what Paige is going to accomplish in the, in the divas division. And, of course, let's talk about the big one, the big swerve. Antonio Cesaro claiming his Andre the Giant trophy and his announcement that he is a Heyman guy. I'll let you, I'll let you, I'll let you sound off first. I thought it was perfect timing 
because it was, you know, once again, it was those expectations when everybody said, yes, you know, Cesaro's going to break away and now we get to see him be this thing. And, you know, we're looking at face Cesaro. And when he uttered the words, I'm a Heyman guy, you can feel that everybody in the crowd just backed up a little bit. Like you felt it like, what the hell? Oh, the crowd. Like I always, like I've been saying, he doesn't need it, but it works. It looks good still. It's still a good look. But not only that, think of this, and this goes back to what we were talking about the old days. Now you have the Heyman guys versus the Cesaro, I mean the, uh, the Zeb Coulter guys. That's it, and 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 we always yeah, and we always we always say about you know you got to put a mouthpiece on a guy who can't work, and back then it always didn't work like that because remember you know we had Bobby Heenan who managed Mister Perfect and Mister Perfect was great on the mic, but you still had it because it was just bringing more heat on top of heat. Right. So somebody must have recognized. Listen, we still need Cesaro to be this monster here one way or another, but the fans are still loving it. How can we do that? Yep, I know. Let's put the most hated guy in wrestling with him, Paul Heyman, and it's it's, it's beautiful. I think it's, I think it's great. It's it's funny. John Blade says Zeb Coulter should pick up Xavier Woods just for the laughs. Our <laughs> <laughs> truth. He wants. He needs a blacker man. No, I I told you. I told you. It's got to be Alberto Del Rio. Alberto Del Rio and and, and um and Jack Swagger as the new real Americans. If 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 a Swiss guy can be one of the real Americans, why can't why can't a Mexican aristocrat be a real American? They'll be like the the new adventures of like Tito Santana and uh, Tom Zink, as it'll be the Mex Am connection <laughs> or something like that. Mother Trucker gets the best one though. Kurt Angle returns to join Zeb Coulter. That would be oh, crazy. That, Kurt that, Angle, that, Jack Swagger, that, and Zeb. Oh, that would be insane, dude. It would be it would be Kurt Angle, like, you know, talking about the three eyes. And he'd be like, intensity, integrity, and no immigrants. That'll be the fourth eye. <laughs> Listen, and, and, pretty, and pretty much Angle has balanced the line of some um, prejudice and stereotype before. So yes. That could come easy for him. It's exactly. true. It's true. That's it. Intensity, integrity, and no immigrants. It's true. It's damn true. We the people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, people would people would be like, holy shit, what just happened? Yeah, they'll be putting their hands up to their chest not to say we the people. They're having a freaking a hardest time because they can't believe it's happening. Oh yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's the kicker. Now, of course, the ending the ending of Raw, um, instead instead of us talking about it, I just want people to see it because ladies and gentlemen this was, without a doubt, the coming out party for the Hounds of Justice. I'll allow you to see why right now. This is, this is not exactly a welcoming committee here. Warren Batista upset. Hey, wait, 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 they're getting to get in the ring. Wait a minute. And Randy Orton from behind. Blindsided Daniel Bryan. He's trying to fight back here now, Batista. Oh, come on, guys. What is this? Look at Corporate Kane. Look at that wonderful red tie. Always reminding people he's the big red monster. Sort of like uh, Clark Kent in uh, Smallville, always wearing red and blue. That's right. 
Look, Triple H tore his quad on the way to the ring. He's got it taped up. Look at that guy with the sting paint. He looks like a mime. Look how sad he is. Sad sting guy. Look at him. He was praying to God that sting would show up. He was. Look at him. He was praying to God that sting would show up. I need. I need that shield. Uh, uh, robbery mask. A lot of people are going to get robbed in New York City, and the and the and the perpetrators going to be wearing those masks. <laughs> those things went from five dollars at the Korean store to twenty bucks on WWE.com. You know this. Look at Triple H just being all scared and shit. He knows that ass whooping is coming. Batista's like, I want to beat up the pretty boy. Yo, Dean Ambrose looks like a purse snatcher from Arkansas. I'm going to come into work wearing that mask and demand a raise. <laughs> Batista's pushing, I mean, Triple H is pushing that HGH hard, yo. That's it. Meanwhile, sad sting guy, front row. I'm surprised he's still here. I would have left. Yep. Hold that. Look at Ambrose and Rollins. Rollins landing on his feet. Oh, what just happened? Oh, you got a Superman punch right to the face. Meanwhile, sad Sting guy, dude. He's not even cheering. Look, just super serious. in my face for more than an hour for this. Look at Dean Ambrose, yo. Dean Ambrose looks like he didn't take his medicine today. He's just super psychotic right now. He, he may be on a sex offender registry. <laughs> your, your mom, your mom is a little sick. She told me to come pick you up. Why so serious? Next, next on to catch a predator. That's it. Ladies and gentlemen, believe in the shield. It's it, it was Ambrose is like the, the 40th one 40th one that's wanted by the FBI. <laughs> dude, Dean Ambrose is probably the one guy whose whose wanted poster looks like it was drawn with an etch a sketch. It just looks like a like a like a like a round face with eyes and it says crazy with the Z backwards. What did the suspect look like? He looked like this. It's just like it looks like um, when they drew Beavis and Butthead and they thought that the killer said Kyler. That's that's Dean Ambrose. Dean Ambrose is fucking Kyler. He's that guy. 
Dean Ambrose, <laughs> Dean Ambrose is wanted for also is like on in, in like Red Dead Redemption. Oh, dude, it's like it's like you and you know what I like he like on main event uh, when they did the six man tag with um against the Wyatts when they won the match and he did the flare flop and he just fell over dead. It was amazing. It was like it was like I was, just, I was gonna mention that. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, if you guys ever seen main event, they gave them the mic. They gave them a good five to like eight minutes. And I'm telling you, if you're talking about guys who are basking in the sun right now, they ate it up fully. And Dean was the epitome of sell. <laughs> oh, well, you know, it was good. It was like, Dean, Dean, you got something to say? No, man. No, you, you go ahead and cut the promo. Go ahead. You cut the promo. I was like, holy shit. Uh. I'm spitting blood. <laughs> oh, it was it was, well. Supposedly he got hurt too, but but still, the way he added that extra to it, people don't understand that Dean Ambrose. You need to look up John Moxley on YouTube, and you'll understand. Dean Ambrose, if you give him the mic and let him run away with the ball, he is on a whole other level of insanity. Whole other level. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, if you guys want to, you gotta watch Moxley versus. Uh, Brian Danielson, they're great matches when you put them together. Yep. But you want to talk about a guy who's feeling themselves? Roman Reigns now? Holy crap. Dude. <laughs> At main event? Uh, this Ro- man was, woo. Well, it's funny. Roman Reigns, he went. He got some more some more ink done. He got more Samoan body paint. He's got a smaller vest. He, he's, just, he's just feeling himself right now. And it's funny because if you – um. If you watch, here in New York City, we have Hot 97, and one of the guys, one of the DJs on Hot 97, Peter Rosenberg, is a hardcore wrestling fan. And he actually did um, he did Radio Row for WrestleMania. So he interviewed a lot of the wrestlers, including Roman Reigns. And it's funny because he's interviewing Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns like, yeah, well, you know. And he's got his hair all tied back. He's got a suit on. And meanwhile, right after that, they interviewed Seth Rollins. And Seth Rollins was like, yeah, you know, I used to do that backyard wrestling and all this stuff, and they were like, well, what do you regret, you know? And he was like, wow, you know, Roman Reigns talks about going to college and, and you know, going to University of Georgia and all this stuff, and, and it's funny because Peter Rosenberg says, so, so what you're saying is that, you know, you feel that Roman Reigns got a lot more play with the ladies than you did during backyard wrestling shows. I was dead. <laughs> I was dead when he Can said you- it. The he got from there. <laughs> dude, he was he was like he, exactly. He was like, dude, you did backyard wrestling, and you know, uh, uh, Seth Rollins. He's like, yeah, you know, you know, whenever whenever Roman talks about like college and stuff, and they were like, oh, so you saying that he got a lot of play? And I was dead, dude. Like it was a, it was such a great <laughs> question, and it was handled so well that I said to myself, wow, you know, like like you know, Roman Reigns. <laughs> And he was talking about it when when he was doing his interview with Peter Rosenberg. He was saying how, you know, he, you know, wrestling, it's part of his family. It's in his blood. He goes, you know, you look up to your father's, you know, you look up to your father and our family's been blessed with just being involved in the business. So he was like, you know, when you're when you're trying to get ready to go to the NFL and you're in college, it's like anybody can be a nose tackle. You know, anybody could be a nose tackle and you'll always be a nose tackle. But when you're a wrestler you can be more than just a wrestler. And I understood what he was saying, and it, and it just shows that, that these guys, Roman Reigns, Ambrose, Rollins, they have an understanding of the business where it's just, it's just crazy. And it's funny because when people... Uh, go ahead. 
<laughs> no, no, I was just thinking because when I'm listening, when I'm looking at the main event, I'm sitting there like, this guy must be auditioning for like Magic Mike too, because like after what he he looked at Renee Young as David Girl, what's my name? And it, and like he just had like they couldn't even pan down because I think Renee Young's panties dropped. Well, you know what was funny, which I really really liked. I like the fact that when they were talking about the Shield's early start, and, and I don't know if you guys know this, but Creative wanted them to come out with legit Riot Shields. And they were, and you know, Seth Rollins was like, wow. Seth Rollins was like, yo, you, they wanted us to come out with legit Riot Shields, and you're saying to yourself, you know, I could get in and out of the ring, but with a giant shield? And they said, um, I think it was Vince that... I think Roman Reigns said it that when they were getting ready to debut, they had the riot shields, and Vince is like, "What the hell is that? <laughs> Damn it! Why do they have Listen, riot shields?" Come, <laughs> can you imagine they would came to the crowd with that? The, the, you know, the crowd would have dispensed. They would have thought like something was happening. Dude, but they wanted them to come out with crazy. legit riot shields, like the like the interview. It, you know, I don't want to pull it up because the interviews are fairly long, but it's just like, you know, look up Peter Rosenberg uh, WrestleMania thirty. And you'll see that they wanted them legitimately to come out with riot shields. And that's what he was saying. Like Seth Rollins was talking about, you know, you jump in the barrier with a riot shield. I'm like, oh, my God. It would have just, just been. <laughs> and it was funny because the riot shields actually said the shield on them. Talking <laughs> <laughs> about the highest level of gimmicks. It, and it's going to be weird now because, you know, it's it's inevitable that they will break up and, you know, <laughs> however it happens. And then you'll see them go their own direction. And it's going to be funny seeing them in their own, you know, their own outfits, their own different thing. And it's going to be like, really? No vest? No cargo pants? Oh, okay. Well, you know what the, right. the, the, <laughs> what the funny weird. thing? At least they didn't have the shield. Oh, dude, the um, it was it was funny because it's like... And I'm trying to find a picture because everybody, everybody's not sure of of Roman Reigns before he was a member of the Shield. And I want to find a uh, I want to find a picture of how he used to dress before he was part of the Shield. And it was oh, hold on a second, ladies and gentlemen, I want you guys to see how Roman Reigns dressed before the Shield. Check this out. Hey, look at me. I look like an extra on Hawaii Five-0. <laughs> oh. Oh. Look, look, look oh. at that. Look at that. Look at that. It's like, yo, shouldn't you be juggling some flaming torches and serving poi? Shouldn't you be giving out lays oh. when people get off a plane? Come on, Roman. Come on. Oh, that is... that. That's 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 gimmick stereotyping at its finest. Oh, oh yeah, Lo you gotta love you gotta love those racial overcoats that I talk about. You know what he looks like? He looks like the guy that was in love with Lilo's sister and Lilo and Stitch. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord, it, 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 it's, it, it's like a, a postcard for Welcome to Ho so Hawaii. Oh, dude, it, it, it's it's so Beaches bad. Readings. It, it's so bad. It's like it's like it's like yo, you know, Ohana means family. <laughs> like what the fuck is going? And, and that's the funny thing. Like everybody's talking about yo, man. Like Roman Reigns, this Roman Reigns, that. And it's like it's like yo, Roman Reigns had dressed like a postcard from Hawaii. Like don't even play yourself. It, it's like everybody laughs at it, but it's like yo, come on. 
this is not going to work. I'm sorry. <laughs> this, this necklace is not going to go well with the black attire that I wear. Yeah, like, like, like I can imagine them saying, like, yo, man, you're going to be, you're, you're going to go. When he, because this was his, um, he used to wrestle, his character was, like I said, Leaki. And there's a, um, there's a triple threat match from NXT between Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, and Leaki, which was fantastic. But um, it was it was without a doubt the craziest thing when I saw that picture. I said, "Yo, look at this dude dressed like an extra on Hawaii Five O. What happened? What happened?" Here and yeah, and Slick just sent me. Good, I don't know how, how, how whatever you think these looks. I don't think I'm gonna be able to pull off the whole Hawaiian skirt thing. Here's here's a here's a good one that Slick sent me. Look at this one. there's there's a good one but but you know what the funny thing is if there's if there's no bigger indicator of the present the past and the future it's 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 this picture ladies and gents that's all i'm saying muscles just 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 so you're aware just so you're aware of what the future holds but that's what I'm saying. That's what WWE is praying for. They pray to God that that you know that they get another rock out of Roman Reigns. And let me tell you, I mean, I have, I, I, I tell you, I work with people who don't really watch, who watch wrestling, whatever the case may be. But I will show them the picture, like the ladies. I show the picture of Roman Reigns, and they're like, oh. Who's that? Is he a champion? I'm like, oh god! And that's what WWE wants. They yep. want that draw. They want. They're gonna say, look, Cena will not have his Cena looks for too long. Like he'll be going out to pasture as well. He needs somebody to have that look, and he Roman Reigns might have that appeal. Well, it's it's crazy, but you know, just something I I had to share. It's funny because John said it's 1:30 and we haven't started to talk about the Warrior, and I wanted to. I wanted to give that its own due because there's there's a lot to discuss. So, as we all know, this past Tuesday, it was you know it was announced that the Ultimate Warrior passed away at the age of 54. Now, a couple of things I want to talk about with regards to that. A lot of people, first and foremost, oh the Undertaker, the, the Undertaker, um, the Undertaker streak died, and the Ultimate Warrior died because of it. You know, people people just being really fucking ignorant. But the thing that gets me is the people that were like, "Yo, man, you know." The Ultimate Warrior killed himself. They didn't even know the full story. They had no idea what transpired, but to them, the Ultimate Warrior killed himself. And I'm like, you guys are fucking stupid. They, and, and, you know, this is one of the things that, that bothers me as a wrestling fan because it's so easy to say, oh, you know, the Ultimate, the Ultimate Warrior, he cut this, this, this crazy promo, and then he goes and he dies the next day. And it's very easy to talk about that. And it's very easy to cite that. But as a wrestling fan, we got some people just they, they gotta be less jaded. Like, yeah, a lot of guys they die from drugs, they die from this, they died from that. But nothing is scarier than the fact that he died just walking to, to the hotel with his wife, you know? Which is crazy. Yeah, it it it, it and it really it really did like annoy me more and especially came when it came down to those who aren't as passionate or even care as much as, as uh, about wrestling as we do, where that's the automatic thing that comes to their mind is like, well, you know, he did steroids, or well, you know that you know he he, he could have been whatever drug. Like it, it, 
you you never take into consideration that a people have ailments that we don't know about. It yep. could be any number of things. Things could just happen. This guy was still for his age and still, you know, in, in good shape. Like, and we can still have something that happens to us. And then B, like, you had this really jaded view of what wrestling is about and what, you know, these wrestlers, what you would think is that they, they do. This man gave himself to wrestling for a long time. And he was finally able to make amends with it, and you know, for 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 them to put a negative spin on it was it was just it, 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 that's what really bothered me more than anything. Well, between that, you know, Nancy Grace talking about that. Here's the best part: Nancy Grace saying that Owen Hart died because of steroids. I was like, you uninformed horse humping bitch. The guy fell off a fucking you know he 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 fell off a zip line and he died. Last time I checked, you didn't need to stick a needle in your ass to fall off a zip line. If that's the case, fucking guys that are doing stunts should be dead all the time. It was it was amazing. You know who else was on that? Go you ahead. Know who else was on that list? Joey Morella was on that list, and it's like she doesn't have a fat a fat checker because Joey Morella died in a car accident. He's a referee. Like, yep. I, I what? Is, this is why I say I don't know why. Anybody was even like giving her that much viewership or or, or, or or attention because she's just a whole. She's a loud mouth hole and just wanted to throw something out there because of what happened. Yep, she and wanted. It, to... And it's an unfortunate thing because she just she just sat there and just was throwing out random stuff just to just to, to throw wrestling under the bus. It it was crazy, you know. It was it was crazy that she went that route, but. Before we we really dig into the warrior uh, the warrior situation, you know it, it's it, it's a it's a no brainer that I want to play his promo because it was um, I don't understand why YouTube's not loading, but uh, it was probably just a surreal moment, and you know to to avoid any issues with with UStream, I'm just gonna play the audio of the promo because everybody's seen it, but it just needs to be heard, and you guys can understand why so many people were talking about this. Speak to me, warrior! As I thought about what I was going to say this evening, it's been hard for me to find the words. That's... Oh. Oh, Jerry Lawler. <laughs> oh, this is going to be great. Shut up, Boyer, and let me do the talking. <laughs> no WWE talent becomes a legend on their own. Every man's heart one day beats its final beat. His lungs breathe their final breath. 
And if what that man did in his life makes the blood pulse through the body of others, it makes them bleed deeper in something than larger than life, then his essence, his spirit, will be immortalized by the storytellers, by the loyalty, by the memory of those who honor him and make the running the man did live forever. You, 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 you are the legend makers of Ultimate Warrior. In the back, I see many potential legends, some of them with warrior spirits, and you will do the same for them. You will decide if they lived with a passion and intensity, so much so that you will tell your stories and you will make them legends as well. I am Ultimate Warrior. You are the Ultimate Warrior fans. And the spirit of Ultimate Warrior will run forever! Now, of course, you know, this promo was, was definitely a very eerie promo. It made people really start to think about the Warrior and whether he knew he was ill. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. And those are things you have to consider. But you also have to think about this. Think about the fact that perhaps he knew he was ill and maybe he wanted to create a future for his family. And this is why he did what he did. He came back. He, he, buried, he buried the hatchet. He erased old grudges because he realized that the future of his family was something that was priceless and precious. Think about, think about the connection with his wife and his daughters at the Hall of Fame, his connection with the fans. There's nobody that I know of, and even people who are detractors of the Ultimate Warrior that don't respect the contributions he had to the sport. And while this promo was very eerie, we can go back to WWE 2K14, and I, oh, excuse me, I want to play this commercial um, before I get I get your take on it, Jay. And I and I want people to see that he's always kind of been embraced. He always, he's always embraced the concept of death and his legacy living forever. Now. This promo for WWE 2K had a little bit of that as well. If you didn't notice it before, check this out. Ah! Not even the Grim Reaper himself starving to get his hands on my warrior soul can keep me from hearing the battle cries of the warriors in the WWE Universe to experience WWE 2K14. See that? Adra talking about that the Grim Reaper himself couldn't, couldn't claim his soul. And it's, it's funny because it's, it's very eerie. And remember, WWE 2K14 came out in 2013. And everybody was super hyped that the Ultimate Warrior was back on working terms with the WWE. And this was just like I said, it was always it was always there. The cloud that something was amiss was there even in that promo. Because you can see he kinda had a limp when he was walking through the video. And and you can see it. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna 
fuck it. I'm going to toss the video so you guys see what I'm talking about. But this is this is what I mean. Like something definitely even then seemed to miss. So check this out. 14. Ah, pay attention. Never before have so many superstars stepped up to challenge our throne. And if you pre-order WWE 2K14, you can engage the battle as the ultimate warrior. That power, this intensity, your belief, our destiny, all of it together created the one and only ultimate warrior. All of us, the freaks, who did in our time what will live forever. Hold this, boss. See that? Like, like you can see, he already had a bit of a limp. It, like, a lot of people were talking about all this different stuff, you know? And it was, it was just crazy the way that it went down. And his passing, it's funny, it, it affected a lot of people um, in, in a lot of different ways. WWE 2K14. Oops, had to unpause that. You know, it affected a lot of people a lot of different ways. And, and our, you know, a lot of our fans just shared so many great moments. So, Jay, I know, I know you, you've been a detractor of Warrior to a degree uh, due to his inclusion in the Hall of Fame. And even, you know, your stance has softened, obviously, with his passing. But, you know, what, what are your thoughts overall on, on the persona of the Warrior and, and his influence on the business? But, you know, I... I... I think I felt like a lot of people, and it was and it's weird because a lot of people, like I said, this week were coming up to me, and, and I guess everybody was like, "I'm their wrestling whisperer," or whatever the case may be. But you know, I, I had a lot of people who who would come up to me and they were like, "Wow, it, it feels like a piece of my childhood just like died." Because right. He gave off this persona like he would live forever. Like it was, just, you know, it, it's just like Hulk Hogan, like. He had that presence of uh, of being the guy who could defeat and, and and battle everything and still come out the winner. Right. And um, for me, when I I, I I I was watching him at the Hall of Fame, and I was pleased that he didn't bring up his mother like some other person did for like <laughs> eight hundred times. But even at the Hall of Fame, you can feel that he had like this closure yep. happening with his history right. with WWE and with wrestling. And it was embarking in a new direction for him in which, you know, he was proud that he was going to be the ambassador. And when you hear that he passed, it was just like, it wasn't more of a, an eerie thing, like how everybody's trying to make it be like if he eulogized himself right. on, on, on Raw. But I think for me, it was a sense of like, maybe there was an awareness of, 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 of like you said, maybe he might have been sick with a case, but maybe that knowing that I was able to make closure and I could just move on, right? And that's why I took it as, and it, you know, what's really painful is that you know you had two young kids, and you know he, you know, he right. passes away. And as for him as a wrestler in the business, you know, I, I, like I said, I don't knock him. I mean, I'm not going to say I wasn't, I was, I was a huge fan of him. I, I of course, I marked out for Warrior, right? Music hit running come to the ring and of course you know we did that i was a kid and i but i had more of a thing with other wrestlers because my mentality for wrestling as a kid was different like i was a macho man guy i liked the right. performance of that 
And of course he was wrestling. He was why we watched it. He was the strong man who could, you know, take down the bad guy. I mentioned in, 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 in the comments it was when uh I believe it was SummerSlam, Hockey Tonk Man calls out anybody in the back. Yep. And as soon as that music hit, he ran to the ring and just squashed and, and it was, we wanted that. We and we, we saw that as fans, we it was a changing of a guard. So for that era, I'm not gonna say for the longevity of wrestling, but in that era, that moment we had where we know the changing of the guard was gonna happen for Hogan, of course he was gonna be the logical one to do it. Well, you know what it is? It's a, it, here's here's how I see it. The Ultimate Warrior, I grew up, uh, you know, I'm an 80s baby. I am I'm 33 years old uh, and 85 through 87, you know, th- those were those were the, the you know, the golden years. It, you know, when you talk about when you talk about comics and you talk about the golden age of comics, when you talk about the golden age of wrestling, it's Hogan, Savage, um Macho Man. I mean, it, it's Hogan, Macho Man, the Ultimate Warrior, Jake the Snake Roberts, Rick Rude, Jimmy Superfly Snuka, Andre the Giant, The Weasel, uh, The Killer Bees, Tito Santana. You know what I'm saying? Like when you go through this list, when you go through that list and you talk about a who's who, a plethora of just amazing performers, you'll never forget Nikolai Volkov singing the Russian National Anthem. You'll never forget the Iron Sheet coming out and putting a camel clutch on somebody with those curly boots. You'll never forget Kamala slapping his belly and being scared of facing The Undertaker in a casket match. You'll never forget those moments. You'll never forget Yokozuna doing the bonsai drop on Bret Hart or Lex Luger slamming Yokozuna on the Intrepid. You won't forget those moments because those are moments that stick with you. And when you talk about performers that have impacted this business, you know, you you talk about Macho Man Randy Savage and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. You talk about Hogan slamming Andre. But people forget, you know, you, you forget about the Ultimate Warrior and Savage, the Ultimate Warrior and Papa Shango. You forget about, you know, the Ultimate Maniacs when he was with uh, Macho Man Randy Savage. And, and there, was just, there, was just so ma- there were so many things that these guys brought to this business that a lot of people just forget because it's very easy to talk about the CM Punks, the John Cena's, the Stone Cold Steve Austin's, uh, the, you know, the... The, the Rocks, you, you can talk about the Shield and all these guys and their impact, but again, these guys were built on the foundation of guys like Warrior, Savage, Jake the Snake Roberts, you know what I mean? And these are guys that even now, and, and, and I watch a lot of these guys like Jake the Snake Roberts and you know him dealing with his demons of drug use and all this stuff and, and trying to become a better person. A lot of these guys, they didn't have the tools that the modern-day wrestlers have. They didn't know how to manage their money. Nobody sat them down and said, hey, by the time you're 50, you'll probably be, you'll probably be broke. You probably would have been married nine times like Ric Flair. And, you know, you're probably going to have to charge $50 for your autograph in order to survive. Hey, you know when you know a wrestler has made an impact or has been uh, uh, has made a contribution to the field is when someone who wasn't around for it sees it and is drawn to it. My daughter, and I hope this happens to you guys who don't have kids yet and you're able to bring that love for wrestling down to the next generation. My daughter who's six, you know, she watches wrestling, whether it's a, she's a fan, but I'm, I I make sure to install in her the history, the, you know, the old school, with, you know, Hulk, Hulk Hogan, Jake the Snake, and 
when Warrior would come on the screen, like she was drawn to him. Like yep. she, he had that 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 charisma that the kids wanted. You know, sometimes we'll play, you know, we'll play wrestling. She'll say, "Daddy, you can be Stone Cold, and I'll be the Ultimate Warrior." And it was just like it's it's a moment. Yep. And it's a rarity that you'll find a wrestler that can do that. And then you say, I don't not, I'm not, I, you know, a lot of people give me shit because they tell me, oh, you, you gave him shit when he's in the Hall of Fame. That was my precursor because of what I felt with other wrestlers who right. could have went in there before him. Right. But, but the... his, 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 you, I can't deny his impact in wrestling. I mean, the Dude. guy was, you know, he was going to be the, 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 the next flagship after Hogan. And, for a time being, he carried it. Dude, when you talk about the, the, the Mount Rushmore of 80s wrestling, it's Hogan, Savage, Warrior, Jake the Snake, and you could probably put Jimmy Superfly Snooker in there or Piper. Uh, and, uh, I was going to say, you forgot Piper. You, you know, but, that, but that's what I mean. Like, you could interchange those because each of those guys had a different impact. Obviously, Superfly Snooker introduced us to a world beyond you know, punches and kicks and slams and leg drops. You know what I mean? He showed us that, you know, there's there's high flying that can be done in this business that, that more wrestlers should embrace, you know? Yeah, he had that. He, you can see it in a lot of other wrestlers who were impacted by his persona and what he's on. I mean, look at Batista. It was, you know, shaking the ropes. And, you know, you, you, you look at, you know, the guys who, you know, like even Edge and Christian, who, who could sit there and, and right. just quote his lines word for word. Like, you know, he made Hogan made it cool to like wrestling. Right. He made it. Ultimate Warrior made it cool to be a part of it. Like to, right. to you know to to cheer for it. Like it was. It, he made it that 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 level. Well, it's funny. It's you know John John Blade says in the chat, no Andre on, on the Mount Rushmore of wrestling. You know what it is with Andre the Giant. Andre the Giant's contributions to wrestling were from a presence standpoint. You know, you can put Andre. I can he put was a Andre. Dick in real life. <laughs> like, well, not even that. But you know what it is. Like I said, Piper. I said Snooker. You could interchange any of those guys from that era because all of them had huge contributions. You know, I could say it could be Coco Beware, Junkyard Dog, Bad News Brown, Akeem the African Dream, and the Big Boss Man. I can say it was Slick, Bobby the Brain Heenan, Classy Freddie Blassie. And Ric Flair, I can say it was Mr. Fuji, uh, Kamala. Um, you know, I, I can you can you can swap out so many guys because they each had a profound impact on on wrestling for different things. Andre the Giant obviously had you know his impact is that he was one of the first you know the first giants. And it's funny, you know, GFQ Human says Brooklyn Brawler. And you may say, yeah, but Brooklyn Brawler was a jobber. Yeah, but Brooklyn Brawler had contributions of his own because he was one of the first jobbers. And he wrestled everybody. Exactly. Like he wrestled everybody. He was in the ring with the best. So you give him credit for that. He put everybody over. Right. So that's a credit within itself. That's it. Well, you know, it's funny. I know, I know Slick is... Blade, Brooklyn Brawler, Hall of Fame, 2015. Yes, he should be in there as well. I, I agree. His, his speech would be hilarious, dude. But um, I know I know Slick wants to come in, and I want to kind of bring it home and wrap up the wrestling for this week because we're going into the uh, we're going into the three hour mark, and we still got games and entertainment to wrap up. But let me bring Slick in real quick. The widow Slick, I know the widow the widow Slick wants to speak on behalf of Warrior. Slick, what's up, man? What's up, brother? What do you got? I mean, 
you know, because obviously whenever anybody in in wrestling passes, you know, fans fans feel it. But like me personally, I I, I bought the WWE Network this weekend because it's like like I told you. Watching wrestling with my mom was like a childhood thing that we did together, and we hadn't been able to do it because, you know, wrestling, the pay-per-views are so damn expensive and shit. Right. And it's like having a network, you know, we were able to sit down together and watch WrestleMania, and, you know, for both of us, the the Ultra Warrior, that was like our, our favorite dude, and seeing him again was great, and having him pass really fucking sucked, but it's like... After his speech during like the um the Hall of Fame and, and at Raw and everything, you you see things like you you really see what's missing from wrestling today. Because earlier in the uh, I forgot who said it, somebody said they had seen the warrior at a house show. It was like that's what wrestling is. It's a show. Yep. And a lot of these guys now don't seem to get that, and a lot of, you know, creatives doesn't seem to get that because, like you said, you had people like Barry Harwood to the Brooklyn Brawler who were jobbers, but even they were showmen because, yep. like, Barry Harwood, how many jobbers, you know, by name, a costume? The Brooklyn Brawler had a costume. Barry Harwood had a freaking shirt with a hand on his back so he could pat himself on the fucking back. Yep. How many jobbers, you know, have shit like that? Dude, the jobbers had personas. You're right. I said the jobbers had personas. You're 100% right. (laughs) Exactly. And it's like, I I wish some of the guys, the big guys now would remember that. It's like each each wrestler, and this was our our big, me and, and Jay, our big beef between... When, when it was announced that the Warrior was going into the Hall of Fame, he felt that, that Macho Man should have went in before him. And I can agree with him on that because yep. as a wrestler, Macho Man greatly outweighs the, the Ultimate Warrior. As much as I love him over Macho Man, but it's like these guys weren't just wrestlers. Right. Individually, they were showmen. Hulk Hogan, as much as I disliked him, would come out and everybody goes insane because this guy comes out, fucking stops at the ramp, puts his hand to his ears, like, just listening to the crowd, comes in and love him or hate him, you see these fucking people going insane listening to I'm a real American. That's right. This guy's fucking stomping his feet all around and going nuts. Macho Man would come out with Elizabeth and you hear all this fancy music and shit. He's got all these frills going crazy. Jimmy Superfly Snooker was a fucking madman. That's right. Piper, how many... You think about it. If there was no Jimmy Snooker or Macho Man, there'd be no CM Punk. If there was no Jimmy Superfly Snooker, no, no Ultimate Warrior, there would be no Daniel Bryan. That's right. If there was no Hulk Hogan, there'd be no John Cena. If there was no Roddy Piper, there would be no Degeneration X. That's right. And that's what people that's what people forget. And you know, it's funny you bring that up. And and you know, it's like how many of us young wrestling fans, as soon as we were graduating from elementary school, junior high school, 
high school and you'd hear pomp and circumstance, you didn't say, oh, this is graduation music. You'd be like, oh, yeah, dig it. As soon as that music hit, because you wanted to come out there and do the twirl with a cowboy hat and bicycle streamers hanging out of your cap and gown. Come on, man. There's no there's elbow no, drop that teaches. There's nothing more iconic than that. It's like you don't hear pomp and circumstance and talk about, Ooh, yeah, graduation's got me thinking, thinking the macho madness. Yeah. You know, you don't you don't feel that when when you're when you hear pomp and circumstance, you hear you feel a connection with with wrestling not with you know it, it's just ingrained in you and that's what i'm saying you know yeah man i mean when i like when i got the network i was testing it out just to make sure i could you know pull it up in my mom's house and everything and i watched some of the warriors old matches even before any of this happened and you look at this guy not and going back to what i was saying about showman this guy, before he even fucking started wrestling, like you talked about how winded The Undertaker was at WrestleMania. That's right. This guy ran around the ring like three times. Yep. <laughs> then got in the ring, ran all four corners like four times before the fucking bell rang. Yep. And he ran around the ring. If anybody who's never seen Ultimate Warrior, just pull up any of his matches and watch his entrance. He would run around the ring. He's, he's one of the reasons why the ring is so big right now. Because if you look at the old ring, the space between the ring and the barricade, there wasn't even enough room for a motherfucker like that to run around. <laughs> he should have fell like 85 times. That's right. He ran around the fucking ring looking like he's out of breath. WrestleMania 6. Everybody's coming into the ring in these freaking gondolas that they're pushing down the aisle. Yep. Warriors music hits. And he just runs he comes for his life. Bull charging <laughs> to the ring. Even Ventura sitting there, he's sitting there, I don't think that's a good idea, Gorilla. He needs to retain his, his, his strength. <laughs> he's at 190 miles per hour, ready to go. And that that's the kind of stuff. That, that's, that's one other person you mentioned who thankfully isn't dead yet. Jesse Ventura, of one of the first wrestlers to retire and become a commentator. If there was no Jesse Ventura, there wouldn't be any of these guys. He was probably one of the best commentators ever. Right. And he was a bona fide heel behind the mic. If there right. was no Jesse Ventura, there'd be no JBL. Well said. Yeah, he... he, he. We gotta, you know, and that's why I, say, I think a lot of people are upset about the whole Nancy Grace thing is because, you know, you're taking, you're trying to demean an element of our passion and try to make it seem as though, like, well, you know, if he wasn't doing this, then he might have not died. It's like, no, it things happen, but you know, embrace what he brought to the industry and, and right. to his fans and the entertainment. Like, you know, stop thinking that, you know, it was a shot. And listen, you got NFL players who freaking are taking, you know, these supplemental drugs and all this stuff. And, yep. you know, they're going out there at 900 miles per hour, crashing and crumbling with themselves for all this. You know, we're talking about a, a man who was a family guy who actually, you know, brought joy to everybody. And you, you're, you're sitting there trying to piss on it. And I think I can understand why, you know the wrestling world is upset. Well, here's 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 the the thing, and 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 this is kind of going to bring it full circle. 
when when you associate so many negatives with professional wrestling, it's incredibly hard to find solace in the positive. And and especially for mainstream media, it's very easy to to hear wrestling and drug overdose or this or that. And they just can't accept the fact that there's more to these guys dying than like listen, let's not kid ourselves. Did he juice up when he was young when he was younger? Absolutely. Did he juice up a few years back? Who knows? But you know what? His body, his rules, how he lived, it's not our business. It's our job to respect and remember what he created. You know who needs to, to consider that and think about that and, 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 and you know feel emotion about that? His, his wife, his children, because they, they lived it. You know, if his, wife, if his wife knew of any of that stuff, she's like, you know, maybe if you would have done things differently, you'd still be here. But that's what I'm saying. We can't, as outsiders, and this goes back to what I talked about a, a couple of weeks back about, you know, the higher power being an obser- a casual observer. Because it's like when it's time for you to go, it's time for you to go. That's it. You know, you, whether, whether you did juice, whether you didn't do juice, it's like he could have got, got struck by a bolt of lightning walking back to his hotel room. What are you going to blame then? You see what I'm saying? Like, it was the guy's time. Whether he eulogized himself, whether he knew that he was sick beforehand, whatever the case may be, it's our job as fans just to, just to remember what he did versus how he died. That's it. Well said, boss. Well said. And with and with that, you know, just to to wrap things up, I wanna I wanna share some some warrior moments that um that our listeners and our staff shared. Um, I wrote on our Facebook fan page, you know, to share some of your favorite Ultimate Warrior moments. And Slick was one one of the one of the first guys up there. Um, Jay, of course, was up there as well. Jay shared uh, the honky tonk man doing the call out, Warrior coming out, killing him in thirty seconds, and winning the IC belt, which was an amazing amazing moment. Uh, Slick shared SummerSlam 89 when he won back the IC title from Rick Rude after Piper mooned him. I remember that. Followed, of course, by WrestleMania 6 where he became, uh, where he defeated Hogan and became the first IC and world champion. Uh, Blade shared uh, the first match that comes to mind was his body bag match with The Undertaker, which I totally forgot about. Uh, ben, Ben, who actually messages me and, and contributes on occasion on the on the fan page, wrote WrestleMania 7 where he survived five Macho King elbows in a row. Who else has ever done that? Awesome memory. Thanks to, for, to Ben for sharing that. Uh, David, first house show I remember attending was his debut match at Madison Square Garden. No one knew who he was, and he opened the show. The music hit, and he ran to the ring in a blur and squashed some jobber in 30 seconds. It was awesome. Uh, my wife, she she shared an awesome moment. Um, SummerSlam '88, of course, when he won, when he beat the Honky Tonk Man. Uh, Patrick, a longtime friend of the show, um, was the buildup between him and Macho Man for the match they had at WrestleMania. Ninety seconds. There goes the English lady. Uh, WrestleMania Seven, classic feud and match. Rest in peace, Warrior and Savage. So there you go. You know, just a lot of great um, moments from the Ultimate Warrior. Just just so many great ones that. We could probably talk about for a whole, for another two hours. Um, as you know, at 2 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, the Blog Talk Radio feed goes off air. You can continue watching and listening via uh, mtrlive.com, gfqlive.tv, and of course, Mixler. 60 seconds. 60 seconds. Once again, the Blog Talk Radio feed will go off air at 2 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
All right, gents, um, I'll take it to Slick first. A- anything else you want to add just before I get into the other wrestling news for the week? Yeah, I'm, I'm posting on the fan page right now. I wanted One of my favorite Ultimate Warrior moments that I also watched with my mother that I didn't mention, and it, the, the title of the YouTube video is IC Title Ultimate Warrior versus Andre the Giant in Madison Square Garden, October 28, 1989. Ultimate Warrior runs to the ring, runs around the ring, gets in the ring. Andre the Giant tries to mock him and shake the ropes. Ultimate Warrior clotheslines him three times, splashes him, pins him, and runs out the ring. Ten seconds. In In eight eight seconds, Ultimate Warrior Warrior beats Andre the Giant and retains his IC title, runs the fuck out the ring. (laughs) That That is an amazing moment. Definitely an awesome one uh, to share. Uh, Jay, anything else you wanted to add? Um, my condolences to his family. I mean, like I said, it's it, like people were telling me it's it's like a piece of your childhood just just died when 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 you hear the news and you hear what was going on, you know. And it, it's sad that how people view our our world of wrestling. And um, on a on somewhat of a brighter note, if you guys didn't know. Uh, Eric Young wins the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. Eric Young. Holy shit. He's like the Daniel Bryan of TNA now. There you go. That's probably why they did it. To to wrap up the the Warrior talk, all I got to say is... Thanks. Exactly. That's it. All right. uh, Let's get into some mainstream wrestling news, some stuff we got to talk about. Uh, You guys are welcome to stick around if you want. Um, Ezekiel Jackson's contract was not renewed as of April 6th. Ezekiel Jackson is officially unemployed. Uh, it's highly unfortunate because I always felt Ezekiel Jackson, last ECW champion, just just squandered, squandered. They tried to repackage him and make him interesting and make him a, a performer that people gave a shit about, and it, he just couldn't connect with the audience. Won't be surprised if he's TNA bound. Wouldn't be shocking. Nope, I wouldn't be shocked either, and who knows? He'd probably be a guy that they probably, they'd probably move up into the upper card like this. Speaking of TNA, I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, it was announced that Christy Hemi is now part of TNA's creative team, working with the Knockouts. Speechless. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, it's crazy because everybody said the first, th- the first thing that comes to mind is Christy Hemi, head of the, you know, overseeing the knockouts but you know she, she's been in the business for quite some time you know she's got some WWE experience under her belt who knows maybe she can bring something different to the product well that that position has always been a revolving door anyway because they've had you know uh, different knockouts or former knockouts try to run up in there so I don't I don't see much happening that that, that, that that's too crazy you know that that's a division that's in basically in, in flatlining mode anyway so Yep. Whatever, uh, whatever she can do. Hey, whatever it takes. So I did. I did want to mention that the WWE Network was. To, um, everybody felt that they their goal is to hit a million subs, a million subscription subscribers by the end of the year. Uh, their totals that came out was six hundred and sixty-seven thousand two hundred and eighty-seven. And you know it's crazy because you you say, oh man, you know they didn't meet their target. The goal was for them to hit 1 million subscribers by year's end, but the stock market, of course, got super scared, and WWE stock did tumble. But again, I'm sure they'll hit, hit a million subscribers by the time the year is out. 
No, yeah, but we once once it's available for whatever um, other sources like the smart TVs, and once everybody gets comfortable with the the, the service being running more smoother, they're 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 going to hit it way before the year's end. It's so, available for smart TVs, just not all of them. Right, and oddly enough, it's not available on Xbox One. Which is stupid, but you know, there, there's yeah. a lot. Of, there's a lot of stuff yeah. that we can say about Xbox One that is incredibly dumb. But yeah, it's like there's still a lot of market that they still got to cover. A lot of international markets they still got to cover, and I'm sure they'll hit the one million subscriber mark with very, very minimal fuss. Now, injury wise, out of WrestleMania, we all know that the Undertaker um, was taken to a medical facility. Uh, Vince McMahon ended up going with him and missing the main event. Turns out that he had a, a serious concussion. And a lot of people were like, oh, you know, what's going to happen with The Undertaker and Sting? Well, first off, uh, the Wrestling Observer and a lot of sites are saying that Sting is already signed to a contract with WWE. With regards to The Undertaker's streak, um, I hate to break it to you guys, but with The Undertaker losing the streak, I feel that in a way the pressure is off of him. And he can do the one match with Sting because you can do Icon versus Legend. That's it. One match... Win, lose, or draw, The Undertaker may win, or he may not, whatever the case is, and put him in the Hall of Fame and be done. It's not It's not too difficult, you know? Like, everybody's talking about, oh, well, you know, The Undertaker won the streak. That match isn't going to matter. It is going to matter because it's a match people are going to want to see. If we could sit through The Rock and John Cena twice, we could sit through Taker and Sting once. Am I wrong? Or oh, you know, or put it together as a retirement match. Loser retires. It still has it still has some type of fire to it that can that can burn. Is there something there? Another another individual who sustained some injuries was Billy Gunn, who um was he actually was he developed what's called a hemostasis, and um, he was coughing up blood after the match after taking the power bomb. Um, a lot of people are curious about where the, where this where this puts Billy Gunn's career. I mean, you know, the guy, the guy's up there. I believe he's 50 years old. So who knows if this may have been the last time we saw the New Age Outlaws. But either way, you know, to take that type of a move. And Billy Gunn is still a solid worker, even at 50. Uh, yeah, he's in his early 50s. I mean, the guy still works. So um, I, wouldn't, I don't see that they're, they're done yet. They'll probably get one more run and then go into the whole scouting thing. Yeah, into the scouting thing, and of course, DX going into the Hall of Fame is a no-brainer. Uh, the other big announcement on the wrestling on the wrestling front this week: Jeff Jarrett announces his brand new Global Force Wrestling promotion. Very, very interesting. We all know that Jeff Jarrett's been working on something for quite some time. Global Force Wrestling is the promotion that is going to be his, and with that, I'm sure a TV deal they'll try they'll probably try to work out and. And, you know, it makes me very happy because it allows wrestlers another outlet to showcase their skills. I mean, Jarrett, when he ran TNA in the early goings, minus him being champion like 20 times, was a very, very solid product. So, again, Global Force Wrestling joins Ring of Honor, TNA, uh, you know, as other organizations that wrestlers can hone their skills at. And I don't, you know, I don't have a problem with this at all. I think it's healthy for the business. I'm really eager to see it. And um, he's he's also talking about trying to do more innovative ways of bringing wrestling to the fans. So it's more like same thing with the network. He's trying to do stuff in that 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 avenue. Uh, I just hate the name though. Yeah, the name is a little weird, GFW. But you know, it's 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 crazy that 
that, you know, Jared pulls a promotion out of his hat, so to speak, and it, it, it more people have more positive feedback about it, and they haven't even had any matches yet than TNA as a whole, which is unfortunate. But, you know, Jay, you've been covering TNA. I've been watching the TNA product. It is improving. It is getting better. It's getting better. It's it's starting to, I mean, some people might think it's a little bit too late, but I it, the, the way I, I've always said it's like, look, if you guys even have to go to the to, to, to the to the mattresses and be like, look, we're gonna do exactly what WWE do it, as we said, we just give you different outcomes. Whatever works. I mean, you you you'll, you'll take you know different individuals. You have an Austin Aries, you see him Punk. You got uh, Eric Young, make him Daniel Bryan. Whatever. If it works, it works. People would be drawn to drawn to watch it. Yep. But um, with Jared, I think Jared has already because I, I I pay attention to his Twitter. And I saw a lot of indie guys begin to follow Jared, and a lot of guys begin to follow that uh, promotion. So I expect to see a lot of a lot of these guys probably get uh, pulled up to the, to that roster. Yeah, I think I think that's something that's definitely going to be worth um, worth watching with much interest. Hopefully, they'll get a TV deal. I really would like Ring of Honor to get a TV deal, uh, or at least a TV deal we could watch here in New York City, just so people can can become better acquainted with the product and some of those personalities because guess what a lot of those guys tried out for nxt so you know before they walk in there and you know kevin steen is named like brad phillips you know get acquainted with these guys and learn about their early beginnings that way you know they won't be fresh guys to you yeah if you guys haven't gotten the chance to watch a ring of honor match find it believe me it's worth it's worth the viewing there you go all right, uh, last last uh, last bit of news to wrap things up. The Paul Heyman documentary put out by WWE will be arriving on DVD and Blu-ray August 6th. So that will be a must-see, a, a brand-new uh, DVD and Blu-ray focusing on the career of Paul Heyman. I'm sure there is going to be lots to discuss, and I'm sure a lot of people will have very, very interesting things to say about one Paul E. Dangerously. The man is God, be it his storytelling being his, his mic work. Uh, it's crap with money, but that, we, we can disregard <laughs> that, though. There you go. All right, uh, Jay Slick, anything else you guys want to add? No. All right, cool. All right, let's wrap things up. Jay, uh, make sure to follow Jay on Twitter at PSW. Of course, you can follow Slick at MTR Slick, and always uh, feel free to interact with them on our Facebook fan page. Yes. Live the warrior way. Godspeed. There you go. All Later, right. boss. Later. Slick, you good? I'm good, man. All right, brother. All right, so that wraps up our wrestling segment for this week. Before we close it out, I just want to send a birthday shout-out to the one and only Alex Reyes, uh, independent wrestler, um, a good friend of mine, a fan of the show, cool dude has a very cute kid so happy birthday to one alex reyes of course best of luck in everything you do and uh, hope you have a kick-ass birthday all right so wrestling has come and gone we are approaching the three and three and a quarter hour mark uh just want to say again uh on behalf of myself and the mtr team definitely want to extend my condolences to the family of jim helwig aka the ultimate warrior Thank you for all your contributions to this business and for entertaining us for all these years. That's it. 
that's going to close out wrestling for this week. Uh, let's talk some gaming news. There is quite a bit to discuss. Uh, like I said, next week we're going to definitely try and expand more into the tech side of things. But for now, let's get into the gaming news of the week, shall we? All right, so, you know, March is come and gone. We are in April. Guess what we did not get? We did not get a UFC video game. Everybody thought UFC was going to put out their game at the end of March going into April. Turns out that is not the case. We'll be seeing the UFC game probably in June, likely June 17th. I just want to say that the UFC game looks fantastic, but here's the kicker. If you pre-order the UFC game, you will be able to play as the pre-order bonus, the legendary father of martial arts himself, Bruce Lee, which is very, very cool for a couple of reasons. Bruce Lee by, was considered by many uh, the first mixed martial artist. Of course, the style of Jeet Kune Do, the art of the intercepting fist, uh, basically borrowed elements from boxing, kung fu, and various fighting styles to create the art of Jeet Kune Do, and the fact is that if you want to talk about the first mixed martial artist, it's very easy to put Bruce Lee in that category. So if you're interested, if you're a fan of MMA or a fan of the legendary Bruce Lee, you can pick up EA Sports UFC. You can pre-order it to get access to Bruce Lee. Available on Xbox One, PlayStation 4. Again, June 17th, mark it on your calendars. I think it'll be very cool. You get to play as Bruce Lee. And um, I'm curious to see how they were able to capture his his fighting style and utilize it in the UFC setting. Of course, it's very easy to assume that they used a lot of motion capture from his films to be able to generate the art of Jeet Kune Do. But again, it's just very cool that you get to put Bruce Lee in the octagon. So there you have it. If you want to pick that up June 17th and you want to get Bruce Lee, you got to pre-order. Um, in some other news, and I want to talk about this, another unver- a very unfortunate passing, uh, the passing of Masato Matsuda. Now, you're probably asking yourself, who is Masato Matsuda and why, why should I care about this character, this individual? Well, if you are like me and you've played a lot of wrestling video games during, during the course of your life, there's one particular wrestling video game that a lot of people don't talk about enough, and it is definitely a game that is that is extremely underrated, and that is Fire Pro Wrestling. Now, Masato Masuda created the original Fire Pro Wrestling series. He passed away at the age of 48. The news was shared by Goichi Suda, a.k.a. Suda51. You know, very young guy at 48 years old. The Fire Pro Wrestling series, of course, was preceded by Pro Wrestling on NES, which Masuda also created. Of course, the Fire Pro Wrestling series is god-tier when it comes to great wrestling games, Fire Pro Wrestling on the Dreamcast is still a staple in my house. Uh, being able to download uh, an, an incredible roster of wrestlers, including the NWO, uh, WWE, WCW performers, of course, Japanese fighters, Japanese wrestlers, and being able to have so many unique matches. And on top of that, the game utilized the fatigue system to a T. It had you, it had you utilize strategy to be able to play the game effectively. You were able to have the barbed wire death matches. It was just a tremendous game. The Fire Pro series is fantastic. Um, don't don't associate it with the Fire Pro game that's available on Xbox Live. The real Fire Pro Wrestling game is in a class all its own. And again, our condolences to the family of Masato Masuda. Um, you know, definitely a great loss for the video game community. 
and taken from us at a very young age at 48 years old. All right, on some next-gen console news, get this. Sony is releasing a remastered version of The Last of Us for the PlayStation 4. So for those of you that thought, oh, you know, The Last of Us is just going to be the only game that I need to play on PlayStation 3, guess what? You're going to be able to play it on PlayStation 4 as it gets remastered in 1080p. Of course, the game won over 200 Game of the Year awards. Everybody loves it. It's, it's a fantastic game. But if you feel you missed out and you want to pick it up on next gen, be on the lookout for it on PlayStation 4. Now, of course, one of the things I did want to talk about is that right now we have PAX East going on. A lot of uh, my friends and colleagues are working PAX East, including our friends at Unveil. Uh, definitely shout out to those guys. But, you know, uh, Borderlands, the, pre the pre-sequel is getting some showcase at PAX East. And, of course, everybody's hoping to see some other next-gen titles. One thing about PAX East, and this is something a lot of people forget, is that while it is a great proving ground for you to see so many other games, it's, it's you know, E3 is the end-all, be-all, and that's where everybody kind of has their eyes on uh, being able to see some of the next-gen consoles. And honestly, I feel that next-gen is only now beginning to hit its stride as, um, you know, it's it's one of those things where you're able to really get a feel for, not the dramatic, but just a feel for what next-gen is supposed to be. So PAX East definitely is kind of the, the beginning portion of that. And, of course, E3 will service everything else and give us some of the, the other next-gen stuff that we can look forward to but right now uh it's a very interesting time like i said because things are very quiet there's a couple of titles coming out here and there that are generating a buzz but it's not it's not something that's really setting the world on fire we're not really going to hit our stride i'd like to think till the later part of the spring and the beginning of the summer that actually is all i got for this week's gaming news i want to bring slick on because he does have some stuff he wanted to add before we go into the week's entertainment news let me bring him in Slick, go ahead, buddy. What's up, Ben? Um, it's funny that you mentioned Suda 51 because um, he actually has another game coming out this year, which um, is really, uh, from what I'm seeing from it, it it's going to be something that I'm looking forward to playing. It looks insane. It's I'm, I'm going to kill this title, but it's called Ronco's. Sukidime's longest day, and it's about this chick who's like a, an assassin. It's like the fifth story in this this um this this movie that's come out recently in Japan called Short Piece, which is four supposed to be four short stories, and it's supposed to be the fifth story. And it's a side scroller. The best way I can describe it, I, I'll I'll put a a link to it in the, on the fan page, but the best way I can describe it would be the recent re-release of Strider right. mixed with Sonic the Hedgehog mixed with LSD. <laughs> nice, nice way to describe it. Which pretty much, I mean, that pretty much sounds like something Studio Fifty One would do. So it, it's not going to be surprising, surprising in terms of, oh yeah, that, that's definitely Studio Fifty One style, but. It's something to, it's really something to see. All right. Um, other than that, for, I'm sorry, what happened? No, okay. Go ahead. Other than that, for um, some of the old school Street Fighter, Marvel versus Capcom, and anime fans, 
there's, uh, I'm trying to find out when, but then there's supposed to be a re-release of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Oh, wow. By Capcom, which, yeah, exactly. Because recently the anime has re-released and there's supposed to be a new fighting game coming out covering all, all six chapters of the manga with all the different characters, which I guess basically it would be like thinking of Marvel versus Capcom mixed with like the um, Dragon Ball Z Ultimate Tenkaichi series because it has you know all the characters in it. Right. And that's looking crazy too. Nice. So, I mean, 2014 is definitely looking like a good year for the underground, not not just like the, the mainstream. The, the only thing that I've been really disappointed with so far is what you just mentioned, that re-release of, of The Last of Us, because I'm like... Yep, after all the that. The game was beautiful on PS3, and it, it just... Is there really anybody who has a PS4 that wants to play that game that hasn't already played it on PS3? This is true. I mean, if you, if you had the money to buy a PS4, what are the odds that you didn't own a PS3? Very true. That you didn't play The Last of Us if you wanted to play The Last of Us. Yep. It's just coming out too soon. Well, there's that, and there's also the whole, you know, the, the fact that we're still waiting with bated breath for backwards compatibility, which is being rumored for both consoles now. Obviously, for the PlayStation service, we know that they're doing the, uh, the, the, the Gaikai-style uh, PlayStation service, and on the Xbox side of things, we still have that as well, you know? Yeah, it's, it's like, if you were going to re-release a PS3, I, I don't want to call it classic, because not saying the game isn't great, but it's, it's just, like I say, it's too early to call it a classic. I mean, go from the back. Right. I can see that, but, you know, everything everything is one of, everything is in the, in the cash cow uh, category for the time being, and like I said, we're 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 in a very very uh, unique we're in a unique place for 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 gaming because like like I was saying, you know, we're kind of in that I don't want to say that dead period, but you know, the spring is very very quiet. We got Paxis, the news from Paxis will probably push the the gaming the gaming news forward until May or you know late June. Then E three comes, and then we're right back into the doldrums of summer. So um, these companies got to come out of the gate and really do something and wow us because right now it's kind of, you know, I don't even want to say that it's that it's not dead, but it's definitely not making people want to part with money at, at, at a moment's notice like, you know, last year or the year prior. Like a lot of people were, were very upset with Titanfall that came out on the Xbox 360 because minus it not looking as pretty as the Xbox One version, it's practically the same fucking game. There you go. So you know it's it, it all of all of that for Titanfall, and and current generation console owners on the 360 aren't you know they're not they're not getting ahead they're not winning anything you know it's just like oh it's the same fucking game. And I, I knew that would happen. That's why I said a lot of these games. I'm mad that some of these games are coming out on PS3. And it's like. I don't say that to shit on PS3 owners, but the new generation is here, and a lot of these games are going to get shortchanged because people are not using all the power that's available to them. 
Yep. And I can understand if you started, if you're about to release a game that, you know, you've been working on for three years. I'm not expecting you to have made that for PS4 or for Xbox One. But right. a lot of these games, like, Batman just got announced. If that came out on PS3, that would be bullshit to me. I, I agree with that. I agree 100%. It's a, it's a crazy it's a crazy time, game my friend. That, that's coming out multiple on multiple consoles that doesn't look disappointing and looks like it'll be good to pretty much anybody that's who play it is the upcoming Amazing Spider-Man Two game, right? Which I don't know how I feel about the the web system. Like they're still going to use the web web system for the last game, which was awesome, right? But they're saying they're mapping the 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 web swinging to each of the sticks. Right, I heard that. So if you want to swing with your left hand, you use the left stick, right hand, the right stick. I, I'm going to have, that's probably going to be something to get used to. But as far as the gameplay and the characters, the game looks insane. I'm glad they're bringing back Black Cat. The fact that they're going to have Carnage in there, I, I re- really, really am looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, well, it's funny you mentioned that because there's something I got to share with you guys in the entertainment segment. So I'm glad you brought that up. Anything I mean, else you want to add? I mean, April really isn't so bad for gaming because, I mean, you have the amazing Spider-Man coming out, which if anybody's interested in the movie, the the games do a lot for storytelling. Like the, the last game re- really went deeper into the story of the first movie. Like, it continued it and did a damn good job of it, so that's part of why I'm really excited for the second game. The um, the only other game I'm looking forward to this month would be Child of Light, which is a very interesting-looking game from Ubisoft, which Ubisoft is basically killing it this year. They're, they're going to make too damn much money. There you go. And Child of Light looks insane it's it's like it, it's got the like that beautiful art style kind of like that that game journey that came out for ps3 ah okay but it has like a, it, it's a, a role-playing game and it the, the battle system reminds me of the active time battle system from final fantasy 7 where you know you sit around too long the enemies will kick your ass okay that works if you have a trailer, share that on the uh, fan page. No, I said if you have a trailer for it, share it on the fan page. Will do. I guess I'm going to be putting up a lot of trailers tonight. So definitely look forward to that, guys. Um, I'll put up the... You put up the, the Spider-Man 2 trailer where they, they tease Carnage, right? Uh, possibly. I, I got to check. I did put up one, but I don't know if it... Probably got lost in the shuffle with a bunch of other stuff I posted. No, I, I put it up earlier this week, I remember. Oh, okay. But that that is on the fan page and um I'll put up the the other games that I mentioned as well. Sounds good. Anything I else actually you don't have a trailer for the Jail Dozers on Adventure yet because that game's in development. I haven't seen anything on it yet, but if you Google, if you Google that, you can see some of the older games. Like, there's one that looks very similar to Marvel vs. Capcom in art style and even the um, like the combo style. And what was awesome about that game is like 
the character would have like a lot of the characters were like demonically possessed and had like sort of like a ghost figure that would appear behind them and do shit and yep. kind of how Marvel vs. Capcom would allow you to have a partner step in they would have like these ghosts behind them that would step in and do shit that's right and the, the combos are insane in that game that in they the are in the old game I, I'm looking forward to see what they do with this new one it's gonna be good Other than that, um, I'm pretty much done with the games. All right, my dude. So let's uh, let me jump into the entertainment segment and take it home. All right, man. I'll All right, bro. You later. Peace. Peace. All right. So that actually is going to wrap up this week's entertain uh, this week's gaming segment. Entertainment hasn't started yet. Um, on the gaming side of things, definitely we're going to try and expand, like I said, and start doing more gaming and and tech and gadget stuff going forward just because like I said the gaming and the gaming news always get a little quiet around this time of year and I want to kind of spice things up a bit as always if there's anything else you want to add feel free to reach out to us and we will definitely take your suggestions into consideration all right let's talk about this week's entertainment news there is lots to discuss we got sequel news what the fuck movie news and a ton of other stuff entertainment starts right now I think it might be time to invest in some new soundboard software because clearly uh, the soundboard definitely doesn't want to play nice this week. Anyway, so let's get the ball rolling with some entertainment news. First and foremost, we got to talk about some Marvel news. Of course, uh, this past weekend, we I went to see Captain America and the Winter Soldier, which was fantastic. You can check out our review for that on MyTakeRadio.com. Now, the fallout for that affects Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so I recommend... Uh, you definitely, before seeing this week's episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you get yourself to the movie theater and watch Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Now, if you are unsure about whether you should go and check that movie out, feel free to read my review. You'll see that it definitely was worth a trip to the theater. Now, in some other Marvel movie news, we got to talk about Spider-Man, The Sinister Six, and where all of that falls into play. Well, first of all, we know that Marvel's expanding its... Uh, superhero offerings into Netflix with a brand new series on, of Daredevil uh, going down on Netflix. That's being handled by Drew Goddard, who direct, uh, who was involved with Cabin in the Woods. Well, Drew Goddard's stock is about to rise just a little bit more because Drew Goddard will be part of the team that will be bringing the Sinister Six film to the big screen. Now, we all know the Sinister Six, uh, Dr. Octopus, the Sandman, Electro, Craven, the Hunter, Mysterio, and the Vulture. Now, obviously, in the, in the brand new Spider-Man mythology, we've already seen the Lizard, and um, we're seeing the Green Goblin, and we're also seeing Rhino, which are three of the six members. We've seen teases for Dr. Octopus. We've seen, um, you know, teases for the Vulture. There's a lot of different directions this can go, but the fact that they want to create a standalone Sinister Six film is of great interest. It's very, very interesting to see how they're going to carry a complete film um, on its own, consisting mainly of villains without any involvement uh, of Spider-Man. The other thing is that they're also doing a solo Venom movie, which is also going to tie into that same mythology. I'm curious whether they're going to go with the Agent Venom 
Flash Thompson or they're going to go with the Eddie Brock Venom. And it's funny because a little bit nugget of information came out this week courtesy of the Amazing Spider-Man viral site. And when I tell you guys what's going to go down, it's going to trip you out. But before we get into that, let's talk some unnecessary sequel news, and that being the Karate Kid remake. As you guys remember, the original Karate Kid, of course, with the legendary Ralph Macchio and Pat Morita, was remade with Jackie Chan and Jaden Smith. Now, it wasn't a terrible film. It wasn't a great film. It was just meh. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, why are we talking about the Karate Kid? Well, they will be doing a sequel to the Karate Kid, which came out four years ago. Mind you, that film made $360 million on a $40 million budget. It looks like they got a brand new director, the director of Get This, The Crazies, and Zahara. Uh, excuse me, The, the Crazies and, and Sahara, sorry. Um, and here's the crazy thing. Breck Eisner, he's the replacing Harold Zwart, who directed the original film. And, of course, you know, they with four years after the original Karate Kid, it's, I'm curious to see if they even want to bring Jaden Smith back with Jackie Chan. At this point, or even if Jackie Chan will consider doing it. But either way, we are getting an unnecessary sequel to an unnecessary remake. So there you have it, guys. Definitely um, put that put that on your must-watch list because I'm sure it will be a gem. Now, another film, another sequel that may or may not be necessary. It depends on who you ask, especially with what's been going on as of late, is Ghostbusters 3. If you remember... Um, you know, the late Harold Ramis was involved with the Ghostbusters 3 project. And after his passing, it pretty much was uh, this film was going to be shelved. But then a couple of weeks back, I said that um, Phil Lord and Chris Miller were going to be involved in bringing Ghostbusters 3 to the big screen. And um, it turns out that that's not going to be the case. It seems both guys have actually withdrawn from Ghostbusters 3 and are no longer going to be doing it. Now, Ghostbusters 3 is still going to happen. But as of right now, it's definitely not going to be, uh, you know, directed by Phil Lord or Chris Miller. It's crazy because, you know, the, the, this is a film that people are definitely looking forward to seeing. And whether they're going to pass the torch to, to new Ghostbusters or not is something that's been a, a big topic of discussion. But either way, at least when they announced that Lord and Miller were going to be involved with directing it, it started to give people hope that we would get a decent Ghostbusters follow-up. But... We'll see what the case is. In either in either sense, right now, Ghostbusters 3 is kind of in flux. They're saying that there's other directors lining up that want to throw their hats in, but it's it's going to be a hard sell, especially when one of your main leads passed away. So think about that. Another unnecessary remake is the Kung Fu series. You guys may know Kung Fu as the series starring David Carradine, and of course they ended up doing Kung Fu The Legend Continues which they gave on TNT for a couple of years. Well, it looks like they're going to bring Kung Fu back to the big screen. It looks like Legendary Pictures is going to be in charge of bringing this to the big screen. Uh, they're searching for a director right now. And, of course, uh, the original series followed um, a monk played by David Carradine who wandered across America looking for his father and defeated numerous people with martial arts. Now, bringing this into the modern era, you want to kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's a hard sell because if you're going to do that, you're going to need to have great martial arts choreography and you're going to need to utilize a lead that people are going to care about. I honestly think that if you're going to do a, a Kung Fu remake, that one of the guys I would utilize would be Tony Jaa. I think Tony Jaa would be a good guy 
to utilize as a guy that's wandering the country looking for his father or his brother or whatever the case may be. Um, I don't know. I mean, even though it, it's, it, I'm not a big fan of remakes, I think that Kung Fu is a is a series that, if it's done right, would make a pretty solid action film. As the stories develop, of course, I will share it with you guys, but as of right now, it looks like Kung Fu will be returning, and it will be returning to the big screen. Um, GFQ Human says it'll have to be called MMA Foo. <laughs> oh, man. You know what's funny about that? You want to think that it would be something with MMA, but I think using a traditional martial arts, and like I said, using a guy like Tony Ja, um, you know, don't use Jet Li or Jackie Chan because it's so easy to use guys like that. But I think a guy like Tony Ja would be good because he, he does great fight choreography, doesn't rely on, on wires, and um, is just a, a guy that really needs that one breakout role here in the U.S. to really put him on the map. But again, as we hear more, I will share it with you guys. It looks like we're going to get an Oscar-nominated actor as our next James Bond villain, as right now rumors are running rampant that Chuitel Ejiofor, who was in 12 Years a Slave, is rumored to be the villain in the next 007 film, which of course is Bond 24. Um, I'm curious to see if they'll be able to do that. I'm, I'm, I honestly... It feels like it's been ages since we've seen an African-American Bond villain. I almost feel like the only guy that I remember was Yafet Kodo as uh, Kananga in the uh, Roger Moore James Bond movie with uh, Jane Seymour. Now, again, uh, you know, it's curious that, that it's been that many years that I think we've seen a true, uh, you know, an African-American as a villain alongside James Bond. But you know what? After the great work that... Javier Bardem did in Skyfall and, you know, Mads Mikkelsen did in Casino Royale. I'm curious to see if, uh, you know, Chuitel Age of Four will be able to pull this off. And uh, yes, John Blade, Daniel Craig is still James Bond. So there's always that. So box office wise, of course, it's a no brainer that Captain America and the Winter Soldier kicked a lot of ass earning 96.2 million dollars and securing the number one spot noah was number two earning 17 million dollars divergent was number three god's not dead was number four the grand budapest hotel was number five muppets most wanted was six mr peabody and sherman was number seven sabotage was eight need for speed was number nine and non-stop was number ten Speaking of Captain America, we all know, and this is a rumor that we talked about last week and the week before, that Captain America 3 was rumored to be uh, hitting the box office alongside Batman versus Superman. And um, turns out that that is 100% the case. Uh, Captain America 3 will be hitting theaters May 6, 2016, and it's supposed to go head-to-head with Batman versus Superman. Of course, Captain America, the first Avenger, made $370.6 million dollars. And the Winter Soldiers already made $303.3 million in the worldwide box office. Now, there's still a lot of time before Batman and Superman hit theaters. Uh, Bloomberg is reporting that even though Marvel is sticking to their guns and sticking with that date, the, you know, the concept of Batman and Superman hitting the screen at the same time as Captain America, even though it's extremely appealing, I have a nagging suspicion that one of those films' release dates will shift And since Marvel is definitely holding fast in keeping Captain America at that date, 
Maybe Batman and Superman may pick a brand new release date, but if not, it'll be very interesting to see Marvel and DC battling it out in theaters head-to-head in 2016. The one thing that gets me, though, is that when you're looking when you're looking at Marvel films and DC films, the amount of fanfare and the amount of 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 presence for each film is is very different. Like DC films, it's it's usually just Batman and Superman. People people right now are they they getting super excited for films like Captain America, films like Guardians of the Galaxy, using other characters that people even though they may or may not know them. You know, Marvel is just churning out the these solid movies. I mean, Captain America and the Winter Soldier is leaps and bounds ahead of the first film of first avenger but besides that it's just such an amazing and awesome story with great uh action and great fight choreography that if marvel keeps this up uh dc as much as i want dc to succeed it's going to be an uphill battle for those guys but again 2016 is still two years away so we shall see how that unfolds in some what the fuck tv news get this small screen the truman show now, if you remember, The Truman Show starred Jim Carrey and came out in 1998, and it looks like they're going to take that and they're going to adapt it to the small screen. They're going to try and follow uh, Truman Burbank, who, um, as a baby, was purchased by the U.S. government and pretty much lives his life in a state-of-the-art uh, dome that broadcasts his every waking moment. So very, very interesting to see that they're going to go that route and try and bring The Truman Show to the small screen obviously if i learn more i will be able to share that with you guys in some other unnecessary reboot news get this and you can throw this in the what the fuck movie news category we will be getting a remake of time cop with jean-claude van damme we already we remember the original which had the infamous leg split on the kitchen counter to dodge the um the taser that got the guy electrocuted well it looks like we will be getting a brand new remake of time cop why i don't know considering that Time Cop wasn't exactly setting the world on fire in regards to action films. But of course, given that this follows uh, Dark Horse, you know, this is going to borrow from the Dark Horse comic series, I'm sure they're going to try and kind of uh, group it with comic films versus grouping it with lame-o action movies starring Van Damme from the 90s. So there you have it. Time Cop is coming back to the big screen in remake form. Now... As I mentioned earlier when I was talking with Slick and I mentioned it with regards to the Sinister Six, I want to talk about, get this, Eddie Brock, who is Venom, and Cletus Cassidy, that is Carnage. Now, if you're smart and, and, and you visited the Spider-Man viral site, you will see that they have um, a particular site, which is a viral site for the Daily Bugle. Now, the viral site for the Daily Bugle is... Um, it's crazy that it actually has a very, very, very interesting uh, article, and it's written by Eddie Brock. It says, Killer Cassidy Caught, and if you go, you, you guys can check this out. Uh, the greater New York tri-state area got a whole lot safer yesterday. Captured late last night, Cletus Cassidy, escaped serial killer and notorious redhead, was eerily calm and subdued when he eagerly surrendered to the FBI. The manhunt for the FBI's most wanted felon ended innocuously with a small in a small strip mall outside of New Rochelle, New York. A barrister at a local coffee shop recognized Cassidy and eventually called the police. The barrister apologized to reporters, later admitting she didn't immediately alert authorities, hoping Spider-Man would beat them to the scene. The barrister said, what can I say? I am a huge fan. 
Cassidy has been sentenced to 12 life sentences for 12 murders he committed, but escaped while being transported between federal prisons. Sources say Cassidy has been remanded to the Ravencroft Institute for further interrogation until he is relocated to a maximum security federal prison. While the barrister didn't get her wish, we know Spider-Man thanks her as we all do. For now, it appears Cassidy won't be causing any more carnage. Now, there's a lot of interesting things here. Obviously, um, acknowledging Cletus Cassidy and the story being written by Eddie Brock. And, of course, the story appearing on the viral site for The Amazing Spider-Man 2 uh, is, is very, very, very interesting. Now, does this mean, hey, are we going to, you know, are we going to get Venom and Carnage in a later Spider-Man film? Are these nuggets of information just stuff to get the fans kind of hype, kind of like the Easter eggs in Captain America and the Winter Soldier and the Avengers? Who knows? But it's definitely a great time to be a Marvel fan. And if you when, when Spider-Man 2 hits theaters, people are going to be watching it with much interest, especially those of us that are huge fans of characters like Venom and Carnage, myself being a huge Venom fan. So I'll be watching it with much interest. I figure you guys will get a kick out of that. And um, like I said, if we learn more news, we'll make sure to share it with you guys. Uh, the last bit of entertainment news involves uh, Kick-Ass 2's Jeff Wadlow, who's actually signed on to rewrite the, to rewrite the Masters of the Universe film. Uh, Wadlow originally had been selected to write the screenplay for the X-Force film, but he could end up directing Masters of the Universe. Actually, uh, he was writing the screenplay for X-Force, and he may be directing that. But right now, he is doing a rewrite for the Masters of the Universe film. Of course, John Chu originally was scheduled to direct, and I already let you guys know that he actually stepped away. Uh, right now, Wadlow is also in contention to possibly direct Masters of the Universe, so we shall see how that pans out. Either way, I'm curious to see how they plan on bringing Masters of the Universe to the big screen after the lackluster effort with Dolph Lundgren all so many years ago. Now, of course, things have changed quite a bit, and if we can successfully bring G.I. Joe to the big screen, I'm, I'm curious to see if they can do the same with He-Man, and if they do, will it be as good as the cartoon or even be as on uh, as uh, relatable to the cartoon as G.I. Joe was? As always, once we learn more, we will definitely share it with you guys. All right, so um, that's going to wrap up this week's show. Um, of course, uh, we went into a lot of overtime, not too much, only about half hour or so, so it's not too bad. Um, definitely want to thank all of the guys in the chat that contributed this week. Um, of course, Slick and Jay for calling in and, uh, helping me out with the wrestling and entertainment and gaming, uh, excuse me, wrestling and gaming segments for the week. But, uh, with that said, I think it is time to wrap things up. So on behalf of myself, Slick, Quark, Blade, and the rest of the MTR family, I will catch you guys this, uh, I will catch you guys next Thursday at 11 PM Eastern, 8 PM Pacific. Thank you guys for tuning in, and I will see you guys next week. Peace. All right, our outro music this week. What are we going to go with? Hmm. So many great choices, so much great music. Um, I think this week we are going to go out with, uh, you know what? I think we're going to go out with a little bit of our friends from OC Remix. And I think it's time to go out with Contra Force Power Trip 
by Nick Perrin, available at ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, remix.org. Thanks for listening. See you guys next week. Yeah.